This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. a short, brief uh, period of time that I was away from the microphones with uh, all eyes on Buffalo globally, regionally, locally. It gave me the opportunity, yours truly, Curtis Lee, to do an even deeper dive into information that is surfacing about this 18-year-old gunman who was on a mission, a mission to kill and maim as many black people as possible. That's why he left his bucolic little town outside of Binghamton Population 5,000, drove 200 miles to East Buffalo, as he said in his manifesto, which was 180 pages, uh, in order to find as many black people as I could in a limited area as possible. And he focused on the supermarket in East Buffalo and strategically had planned out and plotted out to the moment exactly what he would do from driving into a specific parking spot to putting on body armor and then a military-style helmet that had his uh, video camcorder uh, recording every movement that he made, which was then uh, sent. uh, And uh, you were able to actually follow him uh, in live uh, broadcast uh, as he shot four in the parking lot Knew in advance that he'd have to face the security officer who uh, was a former Buffalo policeman. Uh, uh, the police officer uh, drew down on him first, shot him, but it bounced off his body armor. Too bad uh, he didn't take out this uh, 18-year-old maniac. Uh, but he then killed uh, the former police officer, worked his way into the supermarket, went aisle by aisle. Not only shot uh, a total of 13 people, 10 of whom died. But as per his manifesto, if somebody was struggling on the ground who he had shot, he would uh, turn them over and then shoot them right in the chest to guarantee that they would die. Eventually, he was holed up in a corner, cornered by two uniformed Buffalo police officers. He had taken his Bushmaster rifle, put it underneath his chin, was prepared to blast himself into the hereafter. This typically happens oftentimes in these kinds of uh, mass shootings. But apparently the skill of the two Buffalo police officers, they were able to convince him to put the gun down, take the body armor off, take the helmet and the video cam off, lay on the ground and surrender, which he did. Hustled out into a squad car, brought down to the court system in Buffalo and within hours arraigned, charged with first degree murder, uh, pending other charges that will be put before a grand jury that is assembled within hours. It'll start hearing the case on Monday. 
and they are moving rapidly uh, to um, clearly establish that this was an act of white supremacy. In fact, uh, in fact, before we go to the politicians uh, who always uh, try to make political hay out of these uh, horrors, always do, whether it's on the right or the left, but in this case, clearly the Democrats. It's a lifeline for them because they thought clearly coming up in the midterm elections that a red tsunami was going to wipe them out in the House and might even uh, allow the uh, Republicans to take control of the Senate again. But let's go to the uh, sheriff of Erie County, Sheriff Garcia, who uh, put things in perspective and said what I think we're all feeling. This was pure evil. It was straight up racially motivated hate crime from somebody outside of our community, outside of the city of Good Neighbors, as the mayor said, coming into our community and trying to inflict that evil upon us. I think we can all agree with that. That was short, sweet, to the point. It's clear that other facts are emerging as I speak to all of you on the 50,000 powerful watts of sound, which at dusk can be heard in 38 states, parts of Canada, a sliver of Europe, and even near the Bermuda Triangle that separates uh, the Bahamas from Bermuda. You can get it on your app, crystal clear all over the globe, or on your stream Uh, And then naturally your terrestrial radio or your car radio. But anyway, you cut it. This has quickly become a political issue. Just listen to the governor herself. Governor Hochul, who yesterday came out of quarantine from having been diagnosed with COVID-19, gave the the speech at the graduation at Albany uh, University uh, and then uh, flew directly to the location of the shooting, because this is her backyard. She made her bones politically in western New York, in Erie County, and specifically in Buffalo. This is what Governor Hochul had to say as she focused on social networking and especially white supremacy. But mark my words, we'll be aggressive in our pursuit of anyone who subscribes the ideals professed by other white supremacists and how there's a feeding frenzy on social media platforms where hate festers more hate. That has to stop. So she blames social media, social networking, uh, but then again, never came up with a solution as to how you allow for free speech, uh, what you uh, permit and what you eliminate. I'd certainly love to have discussions with people about that because who becomes the arbiter? Who becomes the decision maker? Clearly, he had this manifesto posted. But I don't think what most people understand is that it wasn't for everybody to see. Apparently, he had it posted on a social networking site, Discord. The postings are made on a private server. The private servers are invite only, and it provides you less visible uh, Visibility externally. So uh, I wish we could have a long-term concrete discussion about this because recently when Frank James, the subway shooter, went through that end train at 830 in the morning in rush hour, shot 33 times into the smoke-laden car because he had set off smoke grenades. Luckily, his 9-millimeter jammed or he would have shot more, probably killed, uh, injured 10, and then basically took a tour of the city dressed like one of the village people in his uh, uh, yellow construction cap and his uh, orange vest and gave himself up 30 hours later. 
But it was the mayor then who said, oh, we got to monitor social networking because, remember, he had posted all those rantings and ravings on YouTube. And I wasted four hours of my life that I'll never get back watching those. And I don't know necessarily what you would have eliminated. I really don't. But uh, you can't do it because they took him down. Or I would suggest you knock yourself out listening to that crazy. Who, by the way, Frank James, you know where he is right now? He's at the Metropolitan Detention Center in Sunset Park. And his cellmate is R. Kelly. That's right, R. Kelly, that pedophile on a pedestal who apparently is singing show tunes under a carousel with Frank James and especially his classic, I Believe I Can Fly. You can't make this up, ladies and gentlemen. You can't make this up. Frank James is the Maytag, uh, the cellmate of R. Kelly at the Metropolitan Detention Center in Sunset Park. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And then, of course, there's Chuck Schumer. What would a day be without Chuck Schumer deciding that he's going to go for the whole Megillah? What I mean by that, he's going to use this situation of this uh, killer of black folk to suddenly create a narrative that white supremacy is the biggest danger to America. Not Red China, uh, not Vladimir Putin, not COVID-19. No, white supremacy. What I do know is that yesterday's shooting is part of an ugly pattern, one that dates back to the earliest days of this nation. Racism, unfortunately, always has been, and unfortunately, even more still is, the poison, the poison of America. The poison of America, obviously, this is what the Democrats hope will stem the loss of House seats and Senate seats in the midterm elections. Uh, Back-to-back, belly-to-belly, they had that Alito uh, that was leaked from the United States Supreme Court that might repeal Roe versus Wade. Uh, That's been able, that's enabled them to rally their base. Uh, This case uh, will allow them to rally their base, those who are in favor of gun control. But let me explain to all of you that the fake, phony, fraudulent, fugazi politicians that you all think are so virtuous, so concerned about your rights, so interested in fighting, they always want to fight for you. These are the same people who never had a schoolyard fight, never had a fight in their life, and they're always wanting to fight for you. Now, here's Hochul. She has decided one of the ways she can get uh, finally elected governor, because remember, she she served as governor simply because Andrew Evilize Cuomo resigned. She has not been elected governor. But long before she became lieutenant governor chosen by Andrew Cuomo, she was the congresswoman for Western New York. And uh, back then, she was like pro-guns. She was uh, the queen of the NRA. They gave her an A-minus standing. That's right. And when she went for re-election against a Republican, Chris Collins, it was a Republican district that she won. Who did the NRA back? Did they back the Republican Chris Collins? Nope. They backed Holcomb. Why? Because she (laughs) wanted to overturn the handgun ban in D.C., which is what the House could do. She wanted to put gun ownership as a guaranteed right of all Americans. That was the Kathy Hochul then. Now, all of a sudden, she's had an epiphany. Pretty soon, she'll be saying, I want to do what they did in New Zealand. Take away all those assault weapons. A female prime minister did it there. I I can certainly do it here. And then, of course, there's her uh, Siamese twin on all this, uh, uh, Senator Gillibrand, the junior senator of New York, 
who at one time as congresswoman outside of Albany was called Annie Oakley. She had an A-plus rating from the NRA. She actually said when she was running for office, I not only believe in gun rights, I have four guns myself stored underneath my mattress, ready to shoot out anybody who comes through that door. She had long rifles, shotguns. She was out in the woods shooting. Uh, She was at the range shooting. Oh, she was Annie Oakley, A-plus rating NRA. Then all of a sudden, Hillary Rodham Clinton was summoned by Barack Obama, who believed as uh, Michael, excuse me, as uh, the Don. Don Corleone said, keep all your enemies close. As President Barack Obama said, I need to keep her close to me. So made her the U.S. Secretary of State opening up the Senate position. And Chuck Schumer said, look, you're my gal to take over for Hillary Rodham Clinton. Barack Obama and Michael Bloomberg, they want Carolyn Kennedy, who cannot even chew gum and think uh, at the same time. I want you, but you got a big problem. You're pro-guns. You got six hours, Annie Oakley, to go to a nearby smelter and melt your, your guns down, melt the bullets down, and advocate that you will never, ever... Promote gun use again. Yes, yes. Can I be U.S. Senator? Yes, Chuck. Yes, yes. These fake, phony, fraudulent figures. You never trust these politicians. They will spin on a dime because it's all about I and me, not us and we, not what's best for everybody. Let's say she was a true gun ideologue. She was truly Annie Oakley. She would have stood on her ground. Likewise with Kathy Hochul. But they recognize, gee, I can win a congressional district being pro-gun as a Democrat, but I'll never win a statewide election. So all of a sudden, I got to be smelting my guns down. I got to be turning my bullets uh, into necklaces, you know, that advocate no guns. Our numbers 1 800 848 That's 1 800 848 WABC. Let me give you the updates. When I last spoke to you, it was right before 5 o'clock. I've continued to do a deep dive. I had assumed that this gunman who had driven 200 miles might have located that that supermarket and the location that he wanted to park in by Google Map. Because you can do that nowadays. You can do everything technologically. Apparently, the Buffalo Police Department are now saying they believe the 18-year-old shooter came into East Buffalo on Friday and did a reconnaissance mission to be continued on that. The state police, uh, apparently right before his graduation in 2021 from Susquehanna High School, brought the killer to a local hospital for a psych evaluation. He was hospitalized for a day and a half, evaluated and turned loose. And it was based on a generalized threat of violence uh, against his high school, uh, his friends. He didn't really have many friends, but he was released. The New York State Police Department said their intel said They had nothing on this guy. The FBI said their intel had nothing on this guy. Uh, Nobody had called in a complaint on this 18-year-old at all, suggesting that he was a menace to society, a danger, a white supremacist, uh, somebody who uh, might actually go out there and kill people. He had a recent job at a deli after he had graduated high school the last three months. His uh, parents were uh, civil engineers for the Department of Transportation in the the state, highly educated, and they work uh, technically for Governor Kathy Hochul. But most of the students said that the 18-year-old gunman was quiet. He was a recluse, very book smart, averaged about 92, uh, a loner, 
wasn't all that social, didn't seem to have a girlfriend, wanted to graduate, wanted a good career, wanted to move on. Sounds like what a lot of kids coming out of high school want. But most of the kids said he never really uh, bonded with anyone except with Jada Van Wert. She was a junior while he was a senior at Susquehanna High School. Jada said that they were close friends until graduation and that she had discovered at one time in the cafeteria at high school eating alone, and she befriended him. Uh, She says, Jada says, he was a really good kid, fun person to hang out with. We used to hang out in the pool in the summer. He never talked suicide, never wanted to shoot anybody, just seemed to be a nice guy. It turns out he actually had three weapons. He had the uh, Bushmaster uh, rifle, the semi-automatic that he had purchased in Elcott, New York, uh, as an 18-year-old. He passed mustard. He passed the background check. He had a shotgun uh, that he had purchased in Pennsylvania. And when you go to Pennsylvania, which obviously uh, is a state, in which uh, in many of the rural and suburban areas you got a lot of gun toters. Pennsylvania will allow New Yorkers to buy long guns if they're at least 18 and can pass a criminal background check. Apparently he did that. He had another rifle. I don't know if that was legal or not, but what we do know is that he modified the Bushmaster semi-automatic rifle he had with his father's power drill, uh, got a parts kit, for $59.99 online, and that's where that weapon suddenly became an illegal weapon because he modified it so that all of a sudden he could shoot more bullets. Shoot more bullets in one pull of the trigger, and that suddenly he had modified it. It became an illegal weapon. But he had given nobody an idea that he was going to do anything crazy with those weapons, Because I think as many of our listeners who come from areas like that know that a lot of young men and even some young women, uh, gun-toting rifles at a very young age, they're going hunting with their parents or their mentors, and their guns are a part of their life. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Eric in Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Eric. Curtis, Curtis. Ah, I love you. I'm disappointed in you. Just because um, if something's happening, something bad, and this crazy guy starts talking about it, it doesn't mean it's not happening. Population replacement is about replacing Marxists. It's about Marxists replacing all of us, whites, blacks, Latinos. They're playing the long game. Like the, the ironic thing is, like Hochul, she's not playing the long game. Like you, you, she would, you have to settle for, oh, I won't get elected, but this issue that I, I didn't throw is going to be bad. Now, now, slow yeah. down, slow down here, Eric. Uh, yeah. He obviously was a believer in mm-hmm. the concept of great replacement theory. He even says in his 180-page manifesto that he was uh, languishing at home at the start of the lockdown and pandemic in March of 2020. He discovered this online. He became a, a racing. F- what do you mean it's not a waste thing? It's white people. White people are at risk of being replaced. What the hell are you talking about, Eric? I'm Latino, Curtis. They want to replace. Oh, oh, so explain it. Explain this to me. Explain this to me. How the Great Replacement Theory has nothing to do with you trying to replace white people. It's uh, it's about replacing patriotic Americans, and it's it's about flying flying illegal aliens all over the country in the middle of the night. Cheap labor, cheap boats. Uh, Excuse me. There is already a growing population here that is legal. 
In many instances, it is procreating faster than the Caucasian population. It's the same situation that's happening in Israel, same situation that's happening in Europe. Uh, Eventually, there will be more people of color in the United States than white people. Do you understand that, Eric? Talking about, yeah, we're not legal. talking about color. Legal. It's not about that. You're talking about Maslow. Yeah, legal's fine. They come in here legally, that's fine. They see, they don't want people who, to come in here legally. They hate immigrants. They love illegals. Immigrants want to come uh, here. Uh, and how, how the hell this has to yeah, do with Marxism is beyond me. Again, here it is uh, the politics of division here. So, oh, no, this is, this is not white supremacists. This is not Nazis. This is uh, Marxists. Man. This is what this guy believed in. He's 18. He's going to spend, he's going to rot in jail the rest of his life as a result of him buying into this nuttiness, uh, probably at the age of about 16 or 17. Let's go to Marty, who's calling from Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Marty. Hey, how you doing? Hey, I've had better days, Marty. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is, uh, you know, what's up is down and what's down is up. I, I... I personally think that the Internet and all that other stuff is pitting races against races, pitting genders against genders. This is a, this plays right into exactly what they want. This is what they're doing. They're playing one against the other. That's exactly what our government is doing. Exactly what they're doing. You got people boycotting outside judges' house. There's federal laws that say you can't do that. But you got Schumer saying it's okay. You got the president. All right, well, okay. well, Marty, Marty, I know we can deal with a panoply of issues, and I'm on board with what you're saying about that. But well, can we? What they want to go on. Well, so what you're saying is the government is responsible for this 18 year old executioner getting into his car with weapons, going into East Buffalo, and killing black people? What I'm saying is that they're pitting one, one, people against the other people. Right, right, but you, un- you understand, there's, there, there's self-responsibility. This 18-year-old yeah, is responsible for what he did. No, I understand that. I understand that. But they got such hatred in this country, such hatred between people, between races, between uh, classes, that, that, that it's, 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 it's ridiculous. Money, 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 calm down. Most people are never thinking of going out and getting a weapon and going after people they don't like. Most people are working, raising families, paying their taxes, trying to improve their quality of life, regardless of what color they are. This is such a insignificant portion of our society, Marty. This is not the bulk of the population that is obsessed with wiping out segments of our population. Like, for instance, Frank James. Do you think most people are like Frank James? Oh, let me go on a subway ride at 8.30 in the morning. Let me get on my 9 millimeter. Let me uh, let off a uh, grenade here of smoke. Let me shoot 33 times into the smoke, hit 10 people, would have reloaded if he could with the magazine, but he couldn't because uh, the gun had jammed up, and then walked around the city of New York for 30 uh, 30 hours having a tour of the city in a uh, white construction cap with an orange vest that made him look like one of the uh, one of the performers in the village people. Uh, I just think what's going on in the news, what's going on, is just feeding the thing. Let me ask you a question: How many people are going to take a SUV and run through a parade like that guy did? You don't hear nothing about him anymore. You don't hear nothing about him. He did that during the holiday, right through the parade, kill people. Okay, all right, all right, Marty, 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 Marty. 
Waukesha. He did that in Waukesha, right after the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict that exonerated him. The guy's name was Daryl Brooks. He got into all kinds of trouble with his baby mama drama. He jumps into the SUV. He decides he's going to plow into the uh, annual Christmas parade, if I remember correctly. It was November 21st. Into the grandma contingent, which was made mostly uh, made up of uh, grandmothers who were white. I think he killed six. He injured dozens. Uh, There's no doubt about it. He had an agenda. But Marty, they're all responsible for what they do. But everybody's every. Hey, listen. If if President Trump, with his words, can inspire people to break into the White House. Why can't this government do what they're doing, too? They're inspiring people to do this. They're inspiring people to turn against each other. They want us quick because then they only have to get half of us. They uh, want that. Uh, it's yeah. the United you know, States. Uh, divided. I, I, I never, never understood what had... What was the concept of individual responsibility when you take matters into your own hands? Right now, apparently, the FBI and the Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearm Agency and the New York State Police have met with this uh, 18-year-old murderer's family. Again, they're from a high pedigree compared to most people who live in the village that they uh, that they came from. They are civil engineers for the state of New York, both husband and wife. I'm sure they're getting details from them. I can't imagine they were completely oblivious about what their oldest son was doing. Uh, they had a total of four boys. Uh, the three uh, younger ones. Let's let's see what comes out. You know, as they say, let's see what comes out with all this information. But the government, Trump is making them uh, do January 6th. Biden is making them go out and get Bushmasters and kill black people because it fits their agenda. Relax. It's individual culpability. Right now, this guy looks like a lone wolf. And speaking of Waukesha, the very situation that Marty was referring to, Daryl Brooks plowing in with his SUV into the grandmas in the parade. Apparently, this 18-year-old gunman, when you look at the stills off of his own video feed on the rifle that he was carrying, that he was shooting people at, he had the N word on it. And he also had the name of Virginia Sorensen, who was a member of the Dancing Grannies, who was killed by David uh, Darrell Brooks. And also, apparently, the name of another parade victim. Uh, they couldn't quite read uh, the print on it. So it certainly was prominent in his mind because he had two of the names of the victims of Waukesha, the SUV madman Darrell Brooks, right on his rifle, along with the N-bomb. Let's deal with what we know. Not necessarily what you want it to be or what you think it should be. one 800 Let's go to Dorothy in Texas. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Dorothy. Oh, Curtis, I love you so much. And uh, I lived in New York most of my life. I moved down to Texas a year ago. However, you know, I listen to WABC regularly. Um, it's my go-to. I listen to it overnight because I'm an insomniac as well. Um, I just, no one should put any sort of faith in anything that Chuck Schumer says because he wants to abort children that are already uh, full-term born. As far as what happened down here in Buffalo, yes, it was quite disturbing, and the person is disturbed. But we've had many situations where it was white on black or black on white, where if it's black on white, 
then it's, or white on black, it's so um, profoundly over-exemplified on the media that people just turn. I was talking to someone today, I'm your age. I said, you know, in the 1970s, you know, I went to gay bars. I'm a hairdresser. I went to, I had, I had friends of all colors, all denominations. None of that mattered. It became uh, relevant during the Obama administration. And um, it's really, really sad because. Uh, Dorothy, media- Dorothy, no, 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 hold on a second. Let me slow uh-huh. you down. So in the city, uh, in the 70s, you're going to gay bars and it was no biggie, right? This is what you're saying. I'm a hairdresser. No, no, I'm hey, look, uh, you yeah, are, that I'm is you. I'm not your, gay. I, 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 I didn't gay. imply you're gay. People go to gay I bars. Love, they're not I necessarily gay. I know you I love, you love everybody. everybody. I, I get it, but you got to understand how you how you tying this into Barack Obama. I'm, I'm trying to see the correlation. You went to gay bars in the 70s. You're not gay. But now all of a sudden... Barack Obama becomes president, and then what? What are we blaming on Barack Obama? No, he, uh, he said he was going to transform America, and he did. He turned everyone against everyone. He made gay being like something everyone had to talk about. I don't care what you do in your bedroom. It doesn't matter to me. I don't care if you're black and you live next door to me. It doesn't matter to me. If you're a reputable person. No, no, no. Let me ask you a question, Dorothy, as a as a as a hairdresser. Who do you think had more of an influence uh, on that? Barack Obama or RuPaul? Who do you think had more of an influence on that? Uh, RuPaul is just, he's flamboyant. I mean, come on. Uh, Curtis but this is what I'm saying, Dorothy. How the hell do you, how do you mix up all these? How does Barack Obama come into the equation? You started by saying, I went to gay bars in the 70s, but I'm not gay. I live in Texas now. But let me tell you something. Barack Obama wanted to transform everything. And ever since then, we've been at each other's throats. Is that what you're trying to say, Dorothy? That's what I'm saying. I'm saying that exactly. Yeah. <sighs> What am I? I'm trying to focus. Ladies and gentlemen, I want it's like horses in a horse race. They put blinders on them. Stay on topic. Here we have a woman. I was a hairdresser, but I'm not gay. But I went to gay bars. But anyway, it's Barack Obama who's responsible for transforming America and turning us against one another. Like we were all that accepting of gays in the 1970s. I don't seem to remember that. <laughs> oh, it's it's uh, uh, relax, relax. Let's let's just focus on this. He was on a mission. He'd been planning and plotting this for many months. He had a 180-page manifesto. He's very anal, very meticulous, very methodical. It appears at this moment he is a lone wolf. We don't know if he's a part of anything other than he himself and I. Let's try to stick to that. You know, you're digressing. You have attention deficit disorder. I realize you want to talk about what it is you want to talk about. But when I'm thinking gay bars, hairdressers, but I'm not gay, but I moved to Texas and it was really Barack Obama who transformed this country so that now we're at each other's throats. I don't remember people loving gay people in the 70s. And if memory correct, uh, I think Barack Obama was in college at that time, university. Not even. 
think high school he was there in Maui Waui, uh, you know, smoking the Maui Waui, Hindu Kush in Oahu. Oh, that's right. Some of you think he was in Indonesia or Kenya. Ay, 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 ay. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. WABC. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. The Grim Reaper, right? That's what this 18-year-old punk was, the Grim Reaper. And then when it came time for him to put that gun underneath his chin, he decided not to blast himself into uh, into the aftermath because he wants to live in infamy. That's part of the reason that folks decide to do these kind of things. By the way, I was reminded I did not do the about face of the week uh, earlier today. From 3 to 5 when I was on, because we were so engrossed in giving you all the latest breaking details about what was going on in East uh, Buffalo, how uh, Hochul and Schumer were uh, making political hay out of this execution, and also more knowledge uh, about who this 18-year-old executioner was. Well, the about face of the week, I think I already did it. Remember, Kathy Hochul, when she was congresswoman of Western New York had an A-minus rating from the NRA. When she ran in a Republican district against uh, the Republican who had been the congressman of that area, the NRA endorsed her, not the Republican. No, 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 they did not endorse Representative Chris Collins, the Republican. They endorsed Kathy Hochul. They gave her an A-minus rating because she loved the NRA then. But actually became lieutenant governor for Cuomo. And now all of a sudden she's missed gun control because she figures she factors it in. You can't win a statewide election uh, if you're pro-gun. Then the other sanctimonious hypocrite, uh, the uh, about face of the week, the more even egregious, is the junior senator of New York, uh, Gillibrand, who was Annie Oakley in her congressional district outside of Albany. She actually owned firearms, long guns, shotguns, shot them out at the range, went into the forest. Uh, She got an A-plus rating as a Democrat from the NRA and beat her Republican opponents. And then all of a sudden she had a chance to replace Hillary Rodham Clinton, who had left to become Secretary of State in the Barack Obama administration as the junior U.S. Senator. And Chuck Schumer said... You got it. You just got to become Miss Gun Control. You, yeah, take my rifles. Take my handguns. Take my shotguns, Chuck. Uh, I'm uh, anti-gun. Don't believe these fake, phony, fraudulent hypocrites, these politicians. They'll change on a dime. Uh, People brought up uh, abortion. Donald Trump was pro-choice. Going to run for president. Oh, I'm pro-life. 
Shamu, Chris Christie, pro-choice. I'm going to run for president. Oh, I'm pro-life. Uh, Bush 41, want to be uh, vice presidential running mate with Ronald Reagan. Uh, he won the uh, primary against you. You were pro-choice during the primary. You got six hours to become pro-life. Oh, in order to be uh, vice president, I'm pro-life now. Come on. How many times do you get taken out to the shed and whooped? And then you actually believe these are thespians. These are actors and actresses who are just as vitriolic about being anti-gun now as they were when they were accepting money from the NRA and accepting A grades. Hopefully that sinks in. Anyway, uh, let's go to T calling from Newark, New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABCT. Hey, Curtis, how you feeling? Not too good tonight, uh, T. Not too good. All right. So, look, let, let me say this, Curtis. I want to say this here. And I followed you for many years. I'm from Harlem. I'm 63 years old. Uh, I've I, I seen your, your challenge and your journey. But let me ask you this. Why aren't you or the media also talking about the 21 people who were shot in Milwaukee? Uh, 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 the other night, it was three incidents, 17 people were shot in a mass shooting, and they confiscated 10 guns and arrested 10 people. And I think those families need to get the same attention or, or definitely be uh, prayed for like the Buffalo families. And, and my thing is, I say this here. A killer is a killer, no matter what's the age. Can be a white-collar worker, crook, or policeman in rage. Let's be for real. When you kill someone, you take away a life. And why are so many people playing God? Who gives them the right? But looking at it spiritually, I understand that killing is of the devil. And a life taken away is a life taken away no matter what's the level. And the level hides behind the law, level one, to a manslaughter, but try to explain that to the family that just lost their son or daughter. We see killing glorified everywhere we look on TV and Hollywood, and the rational thinking in the hood is that killing ain't bad, it's all good. And so I write this poem to tell people that a killer is really, really bad, and after he commits his act, he leaves a lot of people sad. It doesn't matter if it's a white supremacist, racist. It doesn't matter if it's a gangbanger. It doesn't matter if a thug or drug dealer. It doesn't matter if it's a husband and wife dispute. A killer leaves a lot of people sad. Well, no, no, no. That is uh, T.E.T. That is very well said. You are absolutely correct about Milwaukee. While the N.A. NBA playoff game between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Boston Celtics were going on in Milwaukee. A few blocks away, it's a restaurant, bar area, nightclub area, and there were a massive number of shootings, mostly black-on-black crime, uh, mostly uh, African-Americans from the north side of Milwaukee, where I've spent a lot of time. It's mostly black. Uh, south side is mostly Hispanic now. He's absolutely correct on that. But you see... Nobody benefits from that narrative politically. Nobody benefits from that narrative. So why would anybody talk about it? Uh, Daryl Brooks, the guy who plowed into the grannies in the Christmas parade in Waukesha, came from Milwaukee.
Milwaukee's out of control. That is one hell of a violent city. But I want to give props to T because he put everything in focus. He put a lot of things in focus. Uh, I was going to ask T because he was going on and on. I didn't know how long that poetry was. It wasn't like haiku poetry. Could have gone on for a month of Sundays. I was going to ask him, uh, what about this 18-year-old Peyton Gendron? We know it's premeditated. He wrote about this for weeks in his 180-page manifesto. I think if found guilty of first-degree murder, I would have no problem transporting him to Ossining, Sing Sing, where they used to have old Sparky, where they used to do executions, and light him up. Uh, I noticed that uh, Andrew Giuliani, who I'm supporting for governor uh, in the Republican primary, and then hopefully he'll win that and end up in the general election against uh, Kathy Hochul, has proposed that. Why not? You go out there, you systemically and methodically and pre, in a premeditated fashion, you, you have a plan. At any point, you could have stepped away from that plan uh, and you go in and you execute people. Why aren't we frying these people? I mean, are there doubts? Well, maybe not. I mean, hell, we got his manifesto. We got the video. We got witnesses. And we don't execute them? Uh, I'm happy that Andrew Giuliani tweeted that out. Hopefully others will come. Well, uh, we know that Hochul's not going to do that. When it comes to that, she's uh, pro-life, right? Oh, no. <laughs> we can't light up a sp- old Sparky there at Sing 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 there. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to uh, Fred in Bayside. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Fred. Uh, Curtis. There's another reason for bringing back the electric chair. You can see about 20, 25 years from now, there'll be a bleeding-heart liberal governor. And I'll say this boy, he had a bad upbringing. Uh, he's reformed now. He's changed. We, we, we gave him some therapy. He doesn't hate anyone. He loves everyone now. That was all because of his childhood that he... He was fed hatred, and now he'll be in his 40s, and they'll let him out. Mm, now, that's an interesting theory. Uh, he'll get uh, he'll get a college uh, degree while in jail, possibly a graduate degree, might tend to the needs of some of his fellow prisoners, renounce white uh, supremacy. Uh, you think in the future he might be paroled after killing 10? Uh, I don't know about that. Although I would extend it, I just extrapolated it and want to use the South Carolina method. They just had an execution in which the person being executed, uh, a murderer, uh, with all the evidence in hand, was able to choose cigars, cigarettes, tipperillos, firing squad. He could have, uh, you know, he could have, uh, he could be blindfolded. Uh, he could choose Old Sparky or he can choose uh, uh, intravenous, uh, you know, method of taking his life. He chose the firing squad. I would give him the choice. I'd give, I'd give this guy three choices. Firing squad, uh, we could put you to sleep. Uh, and notice, when they put the intravenous needle into you, right, they're going to execute you. You're going to die within minutes. They swab you down with alcohol first. I could never figure that out. Like, you're worried about this guy who's going to get an infection? So you're swabbing down his arm with alcohol? For what purpose? He's going to be dead in 20 minutes. And then, of course, uh, 
you have old Sparky. Hey, I think old Sparky's still there in Ossining. It's like in a museum there. I'm sure it has some cobwebs. But have you seen the electric bills lately The Con Edison is charging? I don't know if we could afford to pay for that. So maybe the firing squad, you know, all from cigars, cigarettes, tipperillos. Um, and then, you know, just get some correctional officers and say, fire away. And why would anybody care about this guy? Anyway, let's go to Tommy in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Tommy. Good morning, Good evening. It's the evening. I see three faces in the moon. And listen, you were talking about, before you were talking about Florida bars, right? Which one on the west side, when the west side, when those buildings weren't there, those high buildings on the west side, just garages and all that. What two clubs inspired a movie? Oh, my God. This guy was probably trapped in the anvil or the mine shaft, you know, where Dominatrix was beating him. He got all excited when that hairdresser from Texas said, oh, I went to gay bars in the 70s, but I wasn't gay. And then Barack Obama transformed America, so now we hated gays. I think it's a lot better for gays now than it was in the 70s. Remember, that's why Ed Koch couldn't come out of the closet? Oh, man, oh, my. Where, where, do I, where do I find these people? Uh, this guy was at the Anvil. He's the mine shaft there on the West Side Highway, you know, walking around with his chaps there and his cowboy hat, you know, cruising. <laughs> all you got to do, gay bar, boom, they all call. Um, incredible. You see, that's why our listeners, when they call, they digress. They have attention deficit disorder, but it's okay. It's all within the realm of theater of the mind of talk radio, this thing of ours, this thing that we so love. Let's go to Suzanne, the man in Washington Heights. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Suzanne. Oh, I'm not going to talk about the anvil, so don't worry about that. <laughs> 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 no, I guess I know I, I buried a lot of people who went to the anvil on a regular basis um, in the 80s. That was a lot of fun age. Um, but I wanted to thank you for introducing some rationality into this ridiculous white replacement theory. First of all, a society is like a shark. It has to keep moving forward or it dies, and it changes over time. Do you think the Indians were thrilled to see the first Europeans coming over the thing? It's like, you know, you get a good spot on the beach, and then these schmucks find it, and here come, you know, there goes the neighborhood. It's always like that. It is natural for societies to change and evolve, and I think having a little dark blood in here will make people better looking. You know, Suzanne, you bring up a you, you bring up a great point. The uh, Native Indians probably had their own great replacement theory when they saw the Caucasians coming over. It's like these guys are going to replace us. They really are. No, no, let's uh, let's exchange wampum. You know, let's sell a Manhattan for twenty four dollars in trinkets up in Inwood Park. They're not going to try to white people just like you know trammeled over. You know, I mean. Well, it's Suzanne, uh, Suzanne, the Suzanne, the man, Suzanne, the man, what I always tell people is uh, my grandfather, Fidel Bianchino, a dark olive complexion. He was from body. He was a ditch digger. He couldn't read. He couldn't write. When he came over to America, they were not considered white. Italians were not considered white Caucasians until after World War Two. I all these Italians. Oh, that's right. They're going to replace us. Oh, it's a hey. Hey, Jadru, do you not realize you were considered black before World War II? You were not considered Caucasian. Oh, that was then. This is now. We've assimilated. 
I said, you don't think they were afraid of you then? The Irish, the Poles, the Bavarian, the Germans, the Catholics, because you were drinkers, and they said you were procreating and fornicating, you had too many babies, and the wasps, they were like, it's the great replacement theory, they're going to replace us. You know, history repeats itself. Calm down, ladies and gentlemen. Calm down. As long as they come to America and they're legal and they apply and they have sponsors and they work their way up the ladder like uh, grandparents and great-grandparents did, does it really matter what the ultimate majority color of America is or the minority color? Because eventually, if you look at the stats now, it's probably going to be predominantly Hispanic, but barely, in which you'll have like one-fourth black one-fourth Caucasian, a little less Asian, and a little more Hispanic. The melting pot, right? Oh, we got to be the majority. Well, take Italians away because before World War II, you weren't considered white. We'll put you uh, with the blacks. Oh, no, don't do that. Well, that's what they did back then. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go, if we can, uh, to Patrice, who's calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Patrice. Hi, Curtis. Thanks for taking the call. I'm going to get back on my script. Uh, I'm a very conservative diplomat, diplomatic-type person who uh, thought about being a politician at one time because you were you know, talking about the politicians being hypocrites. I don't think they, they are, you know, purposefully. But I do agree with Schumer that racism is an American scourge. Uh, in contrast to how you um, proportionally spoke about what, you know, Schumer said from from your point of view. Right, but you say racism. Uh, I've yet to travel to any country in the world, and I've been a bit of a world traveler, establishing guardian uh-huh. angels around the world without seeing forms of racism all over the world. Mm-hmm. Well, it is not unique to America. What, right, but and thanks a lot, Curtis. Wow, 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 oof. That's what you call a brush-off. That's how, you know, I was getting into a rap, and then all of a sudden, oh, you're not agreeing with me? See you later, alligator. Oh, by the way, coming up at 1 o'clock is Frank Morano, who's got alligator arms. Yeah, don't ever go for a brunch, a lunch, or a dinner with Frank Morano, because let me tell you something, when it comes time to pay, he is, he's got alligator arms. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. I nearly knocked myself out here on that one. Anyway, let's go to O'Canada, north of the border, to Waterloo in Ontario. And, Gordon, your turn to be heard here at WABC, Gordon. Hi, Mr. Slewa. I wanted to, I originally called about the eclipse. Uh, I'm very excited about But uh, you reminded me of uh, Perry Smith in In Cold Blood and how he explains his bad actions was it's stealing. You're stealing from somebody everything he ever had and everything he might attain. And, uh, like, that's an awful thing in Buffalo. And uh, really, uh, you know, the fact that he did that in New York, where he knows he can execute that, am I correct in that? No, 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 there's no more death penalty in New York. You could do a drive-by shooting of nuns. Uh, praying in front of uh, St. Patrick's Cathedral, and unfortunately, let's say all the nuns who had to perish, you would not get the death penalty. There is no death penalty in New York. Well, I find that uh, outrageous. 
Well, excuse like, uh, me, and, and uh, excuse me, Mister uh, Mister Canada. You don't have a death penalty up there. Well, if I was in charge of things, there would be one. Oh yeah, boy, I would welcome you, Gordon, to be the prime minister there instead of Trudeau Jr. I really would welcome that. Trudeau Jr. Oh God, what a disaster! What a disaster! Our number is one 9222 Let's go to Bobby in Long Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Bobby. How you doing, Curtis? I know you. I, <laughs> sorry about that. I've had better days. Uh, anyway, yeah. I know. Uh, we've had some good conversations. We've left four times, a lot of reminiscing. Uh, oh, one thing was, i got to say this. The woman that was selling that fruit at Eastern Parkway? Yeah. Remember when we were kids? Sure. Three warm salted pretzels for a quarter. Yeah, I remember that right near St. Matthews. Eastern Parkway. Yeah. Eastern Parkway, Utica Avenue, right where I went to a Catholic school. Uh, Catholic, yeah. <laughs> that's right where the uh, nuns, the Josephite nuns, the Irish nuns, uh, told me that it was St. Brendan the Navigator who discovered the New World, not Christopher Columbus. And if I wrote Christopher Columbus, I would fail. <laughs> Listen, one thing, brother. All right, uh, you know, my cousins who in Canarsie near you on Eighty Sixth Street, and I was in East New York. The the only thing is sometimes I have a problem with people knocking Native Americans because we were all part Native American. Yeah, but but Bobby, mothers. Bobby, my point was: imagine the Native Indians were at a powwow, and they see all these uh, Caucasians coming to their lands. Do you think maybe they would? discussing the great replacement theory that was going through the tribal uh, methods of communication, like these people out to replace us. Nah, nah, you're, you're paranoid. Don't just say, hey, just trade wampum. Don't worry, that's all they're interested. No, I'm telling you, uh, Chief, they're out to replace us. Don't be paranoid. And they ended up getting smallpox uh, lace blankets from us uh, and then put on reservations. Uh, and you know the rest of the story on that. Anyway, uh, if we can, uh, let's go to Lou in Long Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Lou. Yes, uh, Curtis. Uh, I have a question that I don't think anyone will ever be ever able to answer. What leads an 18-year-old astray to do something like this? When I was 18, all I wanted to do was get a couple of beers, uh, drive my car, meet my girlfriend, and have fun. Yeah. How does it happen? No, no. Well, this guy, and we don't know the full uh, picture of him yet, but what we know about this 18-year-old is that apparently he did very well in school, got 92. Did he? Okay. But he was a, a recluse, quiet, a loner, wasn't social, although there seemed to be this one young lady. Seems to be the trademark. Yes and no. It depends. I think in this case, he's told us what his influence was. He's laying up at home. It's at the start of the lockdown and pandemic uh, in May of 2020 for him, when all of a sudden he's going online, spending a lot of time online, and he discovers this replacement theory, and he finds a new hero in his life, who is the guy in uh, New Zealand who walked into the mosques, 
uh, on one singular day, their day of prayer on a Friday, and killed 51 of those Muslims while actually streaming the video of it and posting his own manifesto. And he said immediately that became his hero, that became his motivation, and he started plotting his own measure of seeking vengeance against blacks who apparently had done nothing to him in his entire life. He was motivated by a guy, again, it's always with three names, Brenton Harrison Tarrant in New Zealand. Never trust anybody with three names. That's the person that he said radicalized him. Uh, that's why now, I'm, I'm very well, interested. Yeah. Being, being socially inept to begin with, no social skills, and then being locked down into his house for two years, I can only think that would make it worse. He's got absolutely no outlet aside from the Internet and social media, which I think you would agree is a scourge of the world today. Lou, Lou, there are a lot of other young people his age who did not go out and get a Bushmaster ammunition and plot to go out and kill as many black people as he could. He is culpable for his actions. Let's focus on the killer and not start wondering, well, maybe possibly could be. Anyway, up next, we got to talk about what's coming your way. More speed cameras, more red light cameras, which means more fines, more money, money, money. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. on down to Electric Avenue, you better be careful with your four wheels, whether it's a car, whether it's a stick shift, automatic transmission, whether it's a van, whether it's a truck, because they're coming to clip you big time. With congestion pricing here south of 60th Street on the island of Manhattan, with the mayor going up to Albany on Tuesday demanding the right to put up more speed cameras, more red light cameras. They're out to squeeze you, as if you don't already know that. Just to find a parking space in a private lot, you have to take a reverse mortgage. Let's face it, they don't want you in the city with four wheels. Two wheels, yes. You're a bicyclist, you're Pee Wee Herman. Hey, let's take that asphalt highway there that cars use, and let's give it to you guys and gals on bicycles. And then, by the way, there's nothing taking place of those the e-bike menace uh, guys out there who are, like, speeding up and down. As we speak, uh, Nancy, my wife, who will join us uh, as she does each and every uh, week for the Animal Welfare Hour from 11 to 12, she'll give us an update on the full moon, the super moon, the blood moon uh, that's coming out at 12 midnight when I pass over the 50,000-pound for watts of sound to Dominic Carter, who's and I'm going to tell you why. I caught him. 
I caught him. I advocated. All of you have to listen to as many hours of WABC radio as you can, whether it's Dominic Carter Monday through Friday from 12 midnight to uh, 1, or Frank Morano, the other side of midnight, five mornings a week from 1 to 5, and you got to rat him out to me. And, oh, boy, wait till you see. You're not going to turn it off. You're not going to sleep. And you're not watching TV, please. You get stung God watching TV. It's not active-minded like radio. This is AM, active-minded radio. And I know, I know there's effing morons, feeble-minded, fornicating, madly persons, free marijuana, and actually the Frank Marranos of the world. But stick here, 770 AM WABC, because we paint pictures. We stimulate the mind. It causes you to think. Think for yourself. Come up with your own opinions. But now we're going to go from the shooting up in Buffalo that is going to dominate the news cycle probably for a month of Sundays because this was a white supremacist. And naturally, the Democrats find that this will be maybe their ticket to uh, to uh, eradicating a potential uh, the tsunami that's going to wipe them out in the midterm elections. And they're going to continue to say, you see, this is the problem in America. It isn't black-on-black crime. It isn't crime in general. It's white supremacy. It's the biggest danger to America. Not Putin and 6,000 nuclear warheads ain't us. It's not uh, Xi, uh, the uh, dictator in Red China. Who's on first? What's on second? I don't know who's on third. They're claiming he had an aneurysm. He could be replaced. I don't believe any of that propaganda. He's got hundreds of nuclear missiles aimed at us. But they're not the danger to America. White supremacists like this 18-year-old nutjob is. Stay tuned because we're going to get back to that. And I'm sure Dominic is going to touch on it from 12 to 1 and certainly Frank from 1 to 5. But I want to talk about where the swag man is going. That's right, our mayor. The swag man with no plan about crime is going up to Albany on Tuesday. He's going to try to get full control of the uh, public school system in New York, which he's entitled to. He should have it. I don't want to go back to the old Board of Education. That was total chaos. So give our mayor complete control of the Department of Education, which runs the public school system. He's going to also uh, talk about the uh, no-bail issue, and he'll knock himself out because his colleagues up there, Governor Holcomb, uh, Stuart Cousins, the supermajority in the Senate, Carl Hastie, the supermajority of the Assembly, they'll shake his hand, they'll make nice to him, but they'll diss him and dismiss him on that. But his real mission for going up to Albany is to get the right to clip you more. And what I mean by that is all of you who drive throughout the five boroughs of the city of New York, I don't know if you uh, are aware already, already, just last year, speed cameras issued a total of, now get this, see if you could write this down. I know this is Frank Morano's crew who's with me on Sundays, which uh, leaves me a dollar short and a day late. Uh, We're not talking Mensa here. Uh, But write this uh, figure down if you can, Alex. Take this figure down. Last year alone, speed cameras issued a total of 4,397,375 tickets. So close to 4.5 million tickets at 50 bucks a clip. If all of those tickets had been collected, it would approximately be $220 million. $220 million. And so now Eric Adams is going to Albany because he wants the right to put up more speed cameras and more red light cameras. 
Now, we've had more violence, uh, vehicular violence, and uh, violence uh, against pedestrians and bike riders, whatever form you want to call it, ever since uh, the former mayor, Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope, uh, started the program Vision Zero. You know, it was trying to make it safe for everybody in the streets, safe for the uh, pedestrians, safe for the bicyclists, safe for, for the uh, e-bike maniacs who are out there, and safe for the drivers. And it's had none of those impacts. In fact, uh, death on the streets of New York City has increased threefold. Threefold. With all these speed cameras and all these red light cameras. He wants additional red light cameras and speed cameras all throughout the five boroughs. And he wants them not just on all weekdays. He wants them on weekends from 6 a.m. in the morning, 24 hours to 6 a.m. the next morning. He wants to be able to clip you morning, noon, and night. Get ready, ladies and gentlemen. And he's going to get that right. 1-800-848-9222. Now, you think he should be fighting for, like, bail? You know, name and shame Hochul. Name and shame Tish James, the attorney general, who just last week said, no, we're going to keep it, no bail. Tough nuggies. Name and shame Stuart Cousins, leader of the uh, supermajority of Democrats in the state Senate. Name and shame Carl Hasty, the assembly speaker, supermajority that the Democrats have. Eric Adams never does that. He can't even name and shame Alvin Bragg, who promotes that if you happen to be a shoplifter, just go to your nearby Dwayne Reed, your CBS or your Walgreens and ask them for Alvin Bragg swag bags and go up and down the aisles, take whatever you want and tell them, charge it to Alvin Bragg. Because they're not going to get arrested. He won't name and shame Alvin Bragg. So I'm saying, there's a quid pro quo here. He's not naming and shaming them. So nothing will happen with the no bail law. But they will allow him to put in more speed cameras and more red light cameras, which means more tickets. Which is going to drive even more of the people out of the city. And then on top of that, they want congestion pricing. And he has decided not to fund the rehabilitation that is desperately needed of the BQE. That's that artery that connects so many of you. You remember when you would line up at a club? Hey, Matt, you remember you go to a club and they say, no, you can't come here to a club here in Manhattan, Chelsea, because you're, you're a BQE boy. And we could see the way you dress, those polyester waffle weave flame retardant pants. Sorry, you, know, you don't get through the queue. You're a BQE boy. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Jimmy in Rockland County. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Jimmy. Hey, Curtis. How are you, babe? Um, yeah, I just got a ticket two days ago and about three weeks ago. Uh, you know, these new cars, you don't know how fast you're going. You know, they're doing uh, lower the speed limit. They might as well lower it down to 10 so they can get everybody. But, uh, you know. Let me ask you a question. What were the circumstances? So you've been clipped twice within a week. Uh, where did they clip you the first time? Um, it was in the, on the Bruckner, uh, which is odd because, you know, I guess it was school zone. Um, it was uh, during the midday. It was a weekday. But, uh, you know, one mile hour over, I think it was doing 36. So they get you 10 miles an hour over. Wow. So that's what, $50? 
Yep, fifty bucks, and the other one was uh, Manhattan and down at twenty third on the west side. So again, a mile, one mile an hour over. Well, you know, uh, I have a feeling this will allow them to uh, justify the squeegee posse guys going out there because that that will slow down traffic. You won't have to worry about getting clipped by the uh, the speed cameras <laughs> or the red light cameras. Just the guy who puts the dirty water on your your window and then wants a quarter. Yeah, well, a quarter? Are you kidding me? It's got to be paper nowadays that they don't want you know, right? That's true. Inflation, you know, what's a quarter? What does a quarter get you any sure. longer, right? Sure, he's going to go in there and get the uh, the 40 ounces probably up to 7 bucks now instead of the old 250 you know? Oh, yeah, and remember. But, uh, those bikes. Remember, we're not talking old English here. We're not talking Co. Forty Five. <laughs> we're talking premium. You know, premium. He wants that malt liquor. Oh, yeah, yeah. Premium. Get <sighs> a bottle of Remy out there for long enough time. Some Henny. You know? <laughs> bottle of Henny after a while. But it's a shame because I think it is that just once the traffic clears and you have a moment to actually drive, you're ready to go. And then I guess you just try to take advantage again a little. Jimmy, there's. Uh... And then they have the. the, the there's the just never uh, in sync, so you got to stop at every light. Uh. It's just a continuous war on drivers. What do you do if you have to drive? What do you do if you have to do deliveries? What do you do if you have to uh, come in and you're a plumber or an electrician or you need your van, you need the equipment in order to do your job? How do you how do you afford to keep doing that? You're going to get clipped with congestion pricing. You've got the speed cameras. There'll be more red light cameras. Like every half block, there'll be a speed camera. And then you have your app saying, Get stop, speed camera, 50 feet ahead. You say, hey, wait a second, I just jammed the brakes on. I nearly got rear-ended. 50 feet, speed camera. They'll be everywhere. Now, notice, those cameras always work. You notice how those cameras never malfunction, they never need maintenance, all of those speed cameras and red light cameras, they always work. But cameras in the subways, no, they never work. The MTA, the money-taking agency, which rips us all off, they put in the surveillance cameras. The surveillance camera in the Dominican bodega works better than the surveillance cameras in the subway system of New York. But why don't they have the same kind of surveillance cameras in the subways that they do for speed cameras and red light cameras? Because that's how they generate revenue. Do you know, ladies and gentlemen, a billion dollars is built in to the budget a year ahead on tickets alone? That means they have to write a billion dollars worth of tickets. Cops, traffic agents, sanitation EPA, parks, they must write a billion dollars worth of tickets. And that's why towards the end of the month, the quota kicks in. Oh, I know every mayor who's ever been elected, friends or foes of mine have said, there's no such thing as a quota. It's a performance guard. Uh, guy, bull feathers. It's a quota. And then you see the Federal Express truck parks and there's like 52 tickets on the windshield. 52 tickets. And then they go and they, they bundle all the tickets together. And I tell you what, there's like 5,842 tickets. How about we settle on 582 tickets? Sold. It's a ridiculous game. 1-800-848-9222. But you don't get to negotiate your tickets. No, no, no. You go to traffic court, right? And you have to show reverence to the traffic court judge, a person of no consequence, I might add. They don't even wear black robes. They're a judge, but they don't wear black robes. 
when they go to a nearby restaurant, do you think the maitre d' says, oh, the traffic court judge is here. Let's give him the best table in the house. They put him back in the kitchen area. Everybody hates the traffic court judges. Do you think that's a position of prominence? You know, it's like uh, Judge Weinberg. He was a, a state Supreme Court judge. Oh, Justice Weinberg. Oh, let's give him the premier table here. It's just, oh, Judge Weinberg. Imagine if Judge Weinberg weren't in the New York State Supreme Court system, but he was a traffic court judge. Put him in the back by the bathroom. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Bill in Philadelphia. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Bill. Hey, hey Curtis. How you doing? <clears throat> I've had better days, Bill. Well, uh, I think that uh, I agree with what you're saying. But I think it's a uh, it's a shame what's happened. Divided, and the left wants us divided. That way, uh, they can take over. That's what they're ba- based. On, uh, the whole thing they're based on is power. Well, let's look at your own city there, Philadelphia, crime capital of America. Can the crimes get any worse in Philadelphia, Bill? I hope not. I I drove a cab for 40 years in Philadelphia, and uh, I was held up three times. The last time I was held up, I had uh, the guy bit a piece of my ear off. He did a Mike Tyson to you? Yeah. Wow. You know what he got? The DA, she recommended 10 to 12 years. He got three to six. Three to six. And now, with your new DA, he'd get nothing. He'd probably get a pat on the back. Oh, yeah, Larry Krasner, uh, he already let a guy go who shot somebody in the back. By the way, do you know, Bill, that in the city of Philadelphia, you average seven carjackings a day at gunpoint? Seven carjackings a day. I believe it. They're not going to do anything about it. Larry Krasner ran for re-election and got re-elected. I can't believe it. But yeah, it, it, yeah. But, Ladies and gentlemen, I kid you not, Larry Krasner, who he's talking about, is the DA there who lets them all loose. He's the Alvin Bragg of Philadelphia. He ran for re-election. The few Republicans there joined with moderate Democrats and independents to make sure he didn't get re-elected. And Bill, he got re-elected. Yeah, well, the guy that ran against him, I was sure he was going to win. It was Chuck Peruto. And his motto was, uh, enough is enough. And he didn't get a. He he couldn't do it. I I I find it hard to believe. No, 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 no. I've spent a lot of time in Philadelphia. I know Chuck, and it had nothing to do with Chuck. It had to do with the mentality of the people of Philadelphia, who don't want criminals to have to have consequences for their actions. Seven armed carjackings a day in Philadelphia. Uh, they have a police commissioner whose name is Outlaw. Can you imagine? Hey, who's your police commissioner? Her name is Outlaw. Where did you recruit her from? Portland, Oregon. Wow, I'm impressed. You mean where Antifa rules and Black Lives Matter? Yeah, recruited her from Portland, Oregon. Did she do such a wonderful job there? No, but we figured she'd do a lot better in Philadelphia. Nuts. Somebody, I heard from a detective that she was ready to, that she wanted to leave and Mayor Kenny won't let her go. No, because how synonymous that is, that your police commissioner's name in Philadelphia is outlaw. Why would you want her to leave? 
Isn't he proud, Mayor Kenny? There, it's me and my police commissioner outlaw. Yeah, you see, we we fly the Jolly Rogers flag here at City Hall. It's Pirate City, USA. You make it, we take it. If not in taxes, at gunpoint. See, that's the motto in Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, where we love your money, we love your car, and if you love yourself, you'll give it all up or we'll shoot you in the head. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Sid in Nassau County. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Sid. Yeah, I got a ticket for $150 in Nassau County. They charge you $150. $150. What did you do? Did you uh, try to hit somebody? What did you do? What did I do? I, I made a right turn, but I didn't stop at the year before I, I turned. All right, so you made a right turn. You're in Nassau County. Uh, you light you light up past the red light. All right, who, who, right lane. who wrote you up? Who wrote you up, Sid? The camera. Oh, the camera got you. And you can't and you can't argue with the camera, can you, Sid? Nope. Remember the program when we were kids, Candid Camera? Did you ever think that they would use that technology to screw us all, Sid? No, it was eighty dollars at one time a couple of years ago. It was one hundred and twenty, now it's one hundred and fifty. Well, you know something? You got Regis for Surus. You have Surus now, Sid. We got to bring this to Bruce Blakeman, your brand new county executive, and say, hey, Bruce, come on. You just became county executive. You're going to clip Sid? It used to be 80. It's now 150. Alan Funt, Candy Camera got him? Yep. Unbelievable. I I feel for you. I feel the surus that you have. No knockers, surus. I mean, think of that. When we were kids, it was Alan Funt, Candid Camera. We said, oh, they caught him in a compromising position. You know, <laughs> whoever knew that that technology would be used to screw us all with speed cameras and red light cameras. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to John in Freehold, New Jersey, the birthplace of Bruce Springsteen. Is that correct, John? Sleepy John from Jersey. <laughs> very good, very good. How you doing? Uh, I just wanted to say I don't know. You know, I live out in Jersey here, and uh, the cops here they don't really. Uh, I don't feel like they protect us much. We're we're getting tickets for uh, brackets covering license plates, air fresheners uh, hanging in the windshield. You know, going one mile over the speed limit. Uh, we're, they're supposed to protect and serve us, but it's like a business. They just keep trying to write tickets. And yet, and yet, John, if you're driving in your car and you got a big blunt in your mouth now, right, and you're token up on that blunt, the cop can't do nothing to you, right, John? Driving under the influence or are they legalized? I have no idea. Ah, you, you see, you, you have no idea. Now that recreational use of marijuana is legal in New Jersey, they're selling it out of the... Uh, the state licensed stores, soon to be legal here in New York, will they start selling out of state licensed uh, stores? You would think that it would have been explained what cops can or cannot do, how it impairs your driving. Like with alcohol, we know that they give you a breathalyzer, but a breathalyzer doesn't work uh, if you were smoking pot. You can't take a blood test because it stays in your system for 30 days. So there's like no remedy for that if you're impaired. 
because you've been smoking uh, like Matt here, you know, four blunts in two hours. <laughs> you know, I, I've been out of high school for maybe uh, like uh, 14 years already, but I don't remember anybody high ever crashing a car. I know everybody drunk was crashing cars. <laughs> That, well, <laughs> you're going to see, uh, John, you're going to see a lot more. All of a sudden, you're going to see Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg uh, in their Chevy Impala, you know, with the hydraulics, smoking big blunts. And the state troopers are going to say, what does Murphy let us do? Well, you know, the attorney general in Trenton says we can smoke off duty and they can't touch us. They can't touch this thing. You're kidding we don't have to go into the little boy's bathroom and take a wee-wee test? No. As long as we're not smoking on the job. If we're in New Jersey on the job, according to the Attorney General, we can talk some dope. Is that not crazy? It's a lot stronger than it used to be. That stuff will knock you out. Exactly. But think of it, John. Think of it. You have a governor there who's a lush. There's no doubt about it. Murphy. He's an idiot. He's an idiot. Boy, he, calls, he calls all of you knuckleheads. Did you elect Citarelli in New Jersey? No, you're masochists. You reelected a guy who calls you all knuckleheads. <laughs> we got dumb people here. What can I say? New uh, York, New Jersey, uh, a lot of smuts. Uh, let me tell you something. You're not the only dumb ones. We have dumb ones here in New York. You imagine how he calls every hey knuckleheads. Meantime, he's glass of vodka straight. The guy knocks it back. How do I know? When he used to work for Goldmine Sachs, he was in the European division. The chairman came over from Goldmine Sachs, was giving a speech, and he inadvertently took the glass that he thought was water for then the Goldmine Sachs executive out there, the governor of the state of New Jersey, and it was all vodka. And he almost collapsed while giving this big speech to all the ripoff artists at Goldmine Sachs. Yeah, Murphy, Murphy. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Sal in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Sal. Curtis, you know, you were talking about uh, those with alternative lifestyle before, you know, gay people. Uh, um, And with those bars and stuff. Know that um, first of all, they said that our greatest president Abe Lincoln was gay, but you know there's always a book that comes out about that. Well, I don't think that was true because he would have been on a three dollar bill. <laughs> so Curtis, do you know that those bars, a lot of them, and this is going to lead into my uh, Frank Moreno uh, spiel, but uh, a lot of guys. A lot of mob guys used to own gay bars because there was a lot of money in it. Oh, no doubt. And they used to keep uh, a diary on everybody who would come in and blackmail them. And by the way, some of those uh, mob guys who owned the gay bars were gay themselves, as you know, Sal. Well, yeah, I mean, they uh, they definitely uh, they were playing on both sides of the law, so to speak, you know, Curtis. But, uh, Curtis, with Frank Morano, I always... So I want to just let you in on something that you may not know. And with those ratings thing, you know, he's bragging about a couple of uh, those dubious points he says he's leading in the ratings versus your show. First of all, that probably coincides, any of his ratings wins, probably coincides with the uh, recent parole release of most of his uh, his comrades from Staten Island. <laughs> so he brought- 
he probably gets a spike, Curtis, just at that time. I bet if you check to see the the, the recent releases, that's why he's getting a spike. He's telling his boys to listen to the radio. Well, you're exactly. right. You're right, because now that they've been sprung from jail, they can listen to the radio overnight. You know, in their cell, they'd have to turn it out. The CEO of the school would say, hey, turn that radio off. Yeah, they would probably all, uh, you know, and, and keep locked anyway. You know, they could listen to the radio. They got the privileges taken away because they're getting jammed up in the joint, those guys. So now they're all out. Hey, guys, listen to me. Sort of listen to Frank. But guess what? I looked on a website because I've been following. You know, I, lo- I love the station. love all your shows, especially yours. But I saw your bio. I mean, I assume it's, you know, your history, Guardian Angels and everything. You know what his one of his is on his site? Frank Morano. Quote unquote from the site, his bio has it as a fondness for cheese. Yeah, he loves the fromage. Curtis, we know he uh, he dropped a dime on you with, uh, years ago, yeah, not too long ago. You had deal with some human resources issue. I'm not surprised that he has a fondness for cheese. Well, there's no doubt, so he pretends he's not a rat. He doesn't eat the Parmesan cheese, but he loves the fromage. Notice how Sal very cogently picked that up out of Frank Morano's bio. And let me give you the analytics. Yes, Frank Morano's is the ratings leader, according to uh, John and Margot Katsimatidis, our owners and operators of our parent company, Red Apple Media, and our general manager, our Campo de Tute, Chad Lopez, here at WABC. He has increased the ratings by 20%. I have increased the ratings by 17%. But look at the differential. Let's, let's, let's do the math. You know how they are. Let's do the math. Frank is on Monday through Fridays, 1 to 5 in the morning, the other side of midnight. That's a total of 20 hours. You need to listen to all 20 hours to rat them out to me because a part of the time I can't listen, I'm down in the subways trying to fight the ever-rising crime problem uh, by patrolling with the Guardian Angels. That's number one. So let's bifurcate it. So five times four is 20. So that means each morning that he broadcasts, his ratings go up 4%. I broadcast on the other 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 side of midnight, which is uh, Saturday mornings from 12 midnight to 6 and Sunday mornings from 12 midnight to 6. That's a total of 12 hours, right? If my math is correct. Now extrapolate that into 17% increase my increase is greater than his increase in every one of his shows. But do I get the credit for that? No. Because, you see, Frank Morano is the golden child. He is the untouchable. He can do no wrong. Whatever Frank wants, Frank gets now. But I know. I, I've extrapolated the analytics. And at the rate we are growing on the other, 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 other side of midnight... We will soon pass Frank Morano and his crew. By the way, he's got twice as many crew members at his beck and call than I have. I have the No Frills crew. He's got like six people at his beck and call. They open up his mail. Uh, they go out, they get him a bagel with the schmear. They travel all over the city. Whatever Frank wants, Frank gets. one 800 Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. 
Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Curtis Lewa, Talk Radio 77, WABC. You know, I'm like the jaws of radio. I come ashore. I see. I seize. I speak. And then I retreat back into the sea. I listen to the panoply of different promos there, and I notice that they were promoting the number one news talk uh, station program in our tri-state area. Bernard McGurk and Sid Rosenberg, if they were working in England at this point, and somebody on their staff at the BBC, one, two, three, or four, would say that they were bald, because we know they're both Boston baldies, that is now considered sexual harassment in the UK to be called a baldy. You imagine what Will Smith would do? If somebody had suggested that his wife was a baldy, oh, he'd be in the London Tower for all of that. Number two, I heard uh, the other uh, promos for the various great programs here at WABC, which I have encouraged you to listen to morning, noon, and night. And if you can't hear him on the intended time, the appointment time on your radio, your terrestrial radio, your car radio, the app, the stream... You can get it in podcast at WABCRadio.com. Reminds me, I was at the first ever Japanese American parade yesterday up Central Park West with my oldest son, Anthony. He was waving a Ukrainian flag. Oh, that was the hit of the parade. Uh, we have a podcast, Father and Son, Anthony and Curtis, along with the many other podcasts. You definitely want to search through the podcast. And continue to listen to all that's available to you on the number one news talk station in the nation, WABC. Go to WABCRadio.com and check out all the social networking. When you check out Instagram at WABC at 77 WABC Radio on Instagram, check out all the posts that I've done out in the streets, in the subways. I did it out in the Rockaways. I did it on Friday the 13th. You don't want to miss it. Meantime, as we talk about... Mayor Eric Adams heading to Albany. Yes, to, the swagger man is heading to Albany for one reason, one reason alone, to get permission to put up more speed cameras, more red light cameras, so that you can pay more tickets. And nothing is being done by the, the menace on the streets, the e-bike jockeys. Have you seen them going up and down your streets on your sidewalks? They're everywhere. These... Uh, E-bike, I call them swarmers. They come out of everywhere. They're supposedly, you know, delivering all kinds of food products, but they're intent on knocking you down. And I saw that Tom Brady of the Brady Bunch apparently was auditioning to become uh, one of the e-bike menace uh, drivers. He had that uh, city bike with this, you know, the sissy bars. My God, Tom Brady. How weak of that. He was he was driving a city bike up and down the streets. They're taking over the city. one 800 848 Let's go to Alfred in Yonkers. Your turn to be heard here on WABC. Alfred. 
Hi, Curtis. Um, I want to talk about the, the red light cameras. I got nailed by a couple of them in Yonkers here. We have them, you know, and, and they're like a nuisance, you know, because it's hard enough to navigate around the streets without, you know, but but the stuff that's going on, criminals, that, that's ignored, you know, the should rules, the gangbangers, you know, the, the loud shotgun mufflers, they can have tinted windows, you know, crank up their doom music with their car stereos, you know. That's all ignored, though. Yeah, tricked out cars that break every vehicular code in the world. Nothing happens to them as they go up and down South Broadway. Blasting blasting their music so loud it makes the store windows shake. Precisely. It's true. It's just that's ignored, you know. And I understand the police have their hands tied, you know. They're up against brick wall to the cops, you know, and, and yeah, but, but think about it, Alfred, the reason that they clip you with a red light camera or a speed camera is they know you will pay. They know you have to pay. You can't afford not to have a car because then you can't go to work to make the money to pay off all the speed camera tickets and all the red light tickets. Exactly. And all the taxes, you know, and everything that's responsible. Like, you know, if you're a responsible citizen, they know. They know. You know. And now, um, have you ever been up in No Nine Hill, uh, Alfred? I grew up there, Curtis. Okay, uh, that... I grew up on Maple Street. Oh no, Maple well, Street is almost up near the water tower. All right, no, well, uh, used to be all Italian over there. And then you go down to the yeah. uh, Mumford Gardens near the track, the public housing project, slow buying projects right there near Getty Square. And when you go up right. those hills, Lost in Yonkers, like the musical. They right. they get you right there. They carjack you right there. You're going up the hill. They put a, a yeah. gun right to your head and they say, "Oh, isn't this great? Valet service. You're giving me your car, right? Oh, no problem, right? No problem." Near Ashburton Avenue in yes. Yes. They wait I, there to carjack you. I don't even go to. I moved to the east side like about thirty years, twenty five, thirty years ago, and I I don't go to that area unless I have to. I don't even go to Ghetto Square anymore. It, it is, is in, incredible. They know where it's going to happen. They know that there's going to be carjacking and car thefts. And it, nobody does anything there about it. Nobody. It's a shame. It's a shame. And the Yonkers Police Department was one of the best police departments, if you could ever imagine, because I grew up here. And they were tough when I was growing up. Uh, you know, those those days are gone. Oh, what a good old days. I know. I know. And my mother is like, my mother was like 100% Italian. You know, my I'm mixed. You know, I'm a mutt. <laughs> yeah, my but uh, like did you ever did you ever see uh, the uh, the show Lost in Yonkers? I, it was a play, wasn't it? I yeah, believe, play, um, but it was also a movie with Richard Dreyfuss. I, I'd like to see that. I'd like to. Um, oh, you got I'd it. I'd like to maybe get it on Netflix or. <laughs> you got it. You got to see this, Alfred. That's the Yonkers you don't have anymore. Exactly. Exactly. And, and it was it was a beautiful city. I mean, I, I'm not trying to disparage it now, but it's just it's like lawless kind of. You know, it's. Well, remember it's, in uh, the '70s, in the '70s, when the Bronx was burning down and people were escaping and going over the George Washington Bridge to uh, Rockland County or Jersey, if you couldn't right. quite make it there, you made it across the border near McLean Avenue. You went into Yonkers. Yes, 
That, and that was like a great escape. But my, my aunts come, my, my dad's family comes from the Bronx, Gun Hill and White Plains Road. And that's not the same anymore either. They were chased out of the air, kind of, you know, so to speak. You know what, Alfred? You and I, we got to get together. We got to take, take back Nodine Hill. And when we take that back Nodine Hill, we plant fig trees there. You know, it's like, this is us. This is Italian. None of the flags, none of the fig trees. And then all the homies will know the Italians are back. And then put up a few bocce courts. They'll look at that and say, what? What's that? That's a bocce court, pal. We're back. That'll never happen. Most of those old-timers, Nodine Hill, you know, smoked at the Nobley Cigars. They're in Florida, like everybody else. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Juan in Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Juan. Hey, Curtis. Uh, by the way, it just, uh, it just hit me. I was actually in the grocery a couple of minutes ago, and I you know, was buying a couple of cookies that goes by weight, and the cashier tells me it's 220 And I'm um, like, uh, 220 would you give me a margin of 20 cents? And I gave him a 20 He's like, do you want $17? And I said, yeah, I thought I was, you know, saving 20 cents. And ended up, I just, it just cost me 80 cents. But uh, by the way, in Ukraine, yeah, you said that you're not allowed to call someone a baldy. But what if you identify as a baldy? Then you got to be called, then, you know, the, the teacher in your school is going to have to call you a baldy if you identify as a baldy. Uh, so it's a big problem. Uh, you, you get what I'm saying? Wow. We do have callers there at Father Capadonna Boulevard there in the South Shore of Staten Island. It's called the Staten Island Psychiatric Hospital. I've known quite a few of the attendants there and quite a few of the patients over the years. And they're good listeners. And by the way, when you're over there near Seaview off of Highland, uh, you have all the wild turkeys. Wild turkeys. Not the stuff you drink, booze hounds. Not the stuff you drink. Real wild turkeys. More wild turkeys there than there are people. And you go by the Staten Island Psychiatric Center there, and there are wild turkeys in the trees. They're up in the trees. And then they all come down simultaneously because they got to forage for food. And it's like a scene out of Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. Except in this case, the birds are wild turkeys. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Maureen calling from Bethpage. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Maureen. How do you do, Curtis? Nice to talk to you. Uh, you talked earlier about accountability. Uh, I think that's the word that does not exist in the lib vocabulary. Um, seven, real quick, seven grandchildren, COVID hit. Some were remote. Some were remote. I'm only going to concentrate of the seven on one in particular granddaughter. All did well academically with lockdown. This particular one I want to concentrate on did a year and a half remote. She was up at seven in the morning, was on Zoom by 730, has a 4.3, president of national honor. She's getting the top scholarship going to college next year that her university offers. Forget this excuse that COVID is making this kid from Buffalo shoot and kill 10 people because of COVID or lockdown or whatever's going on. No, you're absolutely right, Maureen. We come up with all kinds of, we come up with all kinds of excuses. We can't understand that there are people out there who factor everything in and then they decide to do evil things. And we have to make sure 
There are consequences. That kid's going to get a defense attorney that's going to say, well, you know, he was bullied when he was seven. And, you know, he was in lockdown and couldn't go to school. Well, hi, he's got parents. Yeah. In fact, uh, a stable household, as far as we know so far, uh, both the mother and father were at home. They were civil engineers, uh, worked. They got paid very well by the state of New York. In fact, uh, by Governor Kathy Hochul. Uh, highly educated. Uh, he comes from a family where there were four boys. He's the oldest, uh, so he has three younger siblings. And according to people in the neighborhood, they felt the family was a bit snooty. Uh, they felt the family uh, felt they were better than everyone else because of their pedigree, their their pay rate, and the fact that they had more than most there. But other than that, they didn't appear to be dysfunctional. That, as you know, Maureen, we don't know what went on inside the house. They could have been very we dysfunctional in the house. Right. But to everybody looking from the outside, and you know small towns, people know a lot about one another. There's only 5,000 people there. There was nothing to suggest that this kid was beginning to erupt. Nothing. And he drove 200 miles, 200 miles to commit this and to live stream it. You have on being locked down for COVID? Really? No. Look, Maureen, my feeling is simply we know this was premeditated. According to the police now, they're saying that he may have gone there to scope the area out on Friday before he came back uh, and committed the dastardly deed on Saturday. So he had so many uh, points of opportunity to say, no, I'm not going to do it. Get cold feet, so to speak. He even planned his lunch, Maureen, where he was going to dine before he went in there to kill uh, and shoot as many black people as possible. What have you always said, Curtis? You do the crime, you pay the time. Yeah, and I would uh, fire up old Sparky. I saw that on the Twitter account of Andrew Giuliani, who I'm supporting to become the next governor, he's got to win the Republican primary first. It's going to be a heated primary with Rob Astorino, Lee Zeldin, and Harry Wilson. Uh, but if he survives that process, uh, he will then go up probably against Governor Hochul. Uh, and uh, he tweeted out there should be a death penalty in situations like this. I highly agree. There's no doubt about this. We have all the documentary evidence. He created the evidence file for us. Exactly. exactly. And so what would well, be wrong in saying give him an opportunity to go through the criminal justice process, find him guilty because uh, this is a, a, a homicide to a degree that few, if any, have ever approached and just bring back uh, Sparky at Ossining Sing Sing, which is right there near Peekskill, and fire him up in old Sparky. And what, and what about the poor retired officer who was now probably trying to supplement his weak pension by working as a security guard, and he loses his life after being a police officer for 27 years? What about his family? Now, interesting in his manifesto, he knew there was a uh, police officer, meaning a former police officer on duty there. I don't know how he determined that. But he's, he, in his manifesto, he goes, I'm going to have to shoot people in the parking lot first. But I know when I get to the front entrance, the security officer will be there. I'm going to have to engage him. And the security officer was there. He's armed. He fired on this 18-year-old who had all the body armor on. 
uh, the bullets bounced off his body armor. He turned his Bushmaster uh, rifle on him, and he killed. He slaughtered that uh, former cop right in front of him, stepped over his body, and then went up and down the aisles just hunting hunting for black people to shoot and to kill. He even said in his manifesto, if I shot him and they fell, I turned them over and shot them in the chest because I wanted them to die on the spot. Let me tell you, when my 18, if they bought Skizzle, they bought a Slurpee. I knew they bought it. You don't know your kid bought body armor? Now, remember, this goes back to Columbine. Remember Columbine? This is when we first started to say, wait a second, high school kids, uh, two of them, Klebold, uh, I forget the other nut job. He was in the the garage. Remember, they were banging in the garage morning, noon, and night. Mommy and Daddy never went into the garage to check to see what are they building? A hot rod? What are they doing? They were building a a series of weapons that they were going to use to go into the high school and kill as many of their fellow schoolmates and teachers as possible. I'm not. You know, I thank God we're blessed. We raised five kids. They're all this side of the law. When we had to get the first computer, you know where we put it? In the hall, outside the bathroom. There were no secrets ever with five kids in the house. Everyone knew what everybody was doing online. Parents got to be parents. Yeah. yeah, and it's interesting. We'll see. Look, the parents uh, are not doing what some parents do in these kind of situations, which uh, hide behind lawyers. You know how sometimes a parent, regardless of their circumstance, they hide behind a lawyer. Say, "I'm not talking. You got to talk to my lawyer." No, apparently, uh, they sat with the uh, New York State Police uh, earlier today with the FBI, the Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearm Agency, the Feds, uh, and had a complete session with them. Highly educated uh, parents are, father and mother both living at home. Uh, civil engineers for the state of New York. Uh, it's uh, Governor Hochul who signs their paycheck. Uh, but you're right. How the hell could they not have known what he was doing? Because apparently he kept all of this at home. Purchased it in Endicott, New York. Bought the Bushmaster rifle in Endicott. Then in order to alter the rifle, which made it illegal... He used his father's Black & Decker power drill to alter the weapon uh, to allow for magazines to be utilized in which he could shoot more bullets uh, at one rapid time than if he had to use the weapon uh, as it was made. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Gordon. Is Gordon still there listening from Waterloo? Could you go to Gordon there, please? I want to see if he's still there. Are you there, Gordon? Wow, Gordon was getting a free ride in Waterloo in Ontario listening on our stream. Not his own stream. Our stream. So we cut him off. We gave him a bris. That'll teach you, Canadians. You know, if our president could cut off the pipeline from Alberta, right, the Keystone Pipeline, so we couldn't get the oil that we should be utilizing instead of oil from Saudi Arabia and Iran and Venezuela, uh, we could cut you off too. Although I don't know what the hell that has to do with us cutting off the Keystone Pipeline. Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Cat in Ipswich, Massachusetts. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Cat. Curtis, your show has been so awesome tonight. Thank you. I want to know, what was I paying for the guy in, like, in uh, Canada? 
Uh, <laughs> I hope not. He was freeloading. He was freeloading. You know, I'm like one of those people. Am I paying for this? <laughs> You're right. If only more of us could, every time we pay our taxes and we I mean, sit- if it's a good thing, I'm okay. But I, like no, most of the time, it's not a good thing. And I'm like, I don't even have any kids. Am I paying for this? Yeah. Unfortunately, most times we are. And you know... You're interested. Most taxpayers should be interested. We give more money to the government, but when we buy a product or we invest in stocks, we're constantly on the phone. We're still paying. Right, but we never question government. Never. Well, I do. You do. But a lot of people don't. But the main reason why I called tonight is when I read it, when I knew about the Buffalo shooter, and, like, quickly, I didn't know too much, and I was like, my initial reaction was, oh, my God, do I carry my gun when I go to the supermarket? That was my initial reaction. Mm-hmm. You mean and then you have when I po- found out what happened. Do you have, I uh, was like, do you have a possession of a gun, uh, a premise uh, permit? Yeah, I, ha- I have, a, I have a, a license to carry. Oh, okay. Boy, it was that difficult to get in Massachusetts? Um, you know, everybody says it is. I, it depends on where you live. It depends because the town, the the chief of the town, the chief of police of the town, he has a lot of say. And I live, fortunately, I live in an area in Cape Ann, Massachusetts, where like there's a lot of hunters. It's like a, you know, there's like a history of firearms and everything, yeah. so it's a little easier. Well, the, the reason but, the reason I ask you that, Cat, is our mayor here, the swagger man with no plan, is going up to oh Albany on Tuesday. What is his problem? Well, he, he's, he's a well-dressed man. You know, ZZ Top wrote the song for him. But one of the reasons he's going up to Albany on Tuesday is he's warning everyone that if the United States Supreme Court rules, as they're expected to rule in June, that if you have a premise permit in New York State, anywhere in New York State, from Buffalo to Brooklyn, you will now be able to also carry. Now, I don't know if that's going to be concealed or if you're going to have to carry where people can see it, but he's claiming this is going to lead to more crime, and I'm saying to myself, Kat, no, it won't. It'll lead to more people getting involved and stopping crime. A thing going on in the uh, the Constitution about um, the Supreme Court about New York City, like New York, like yeah, this will uh, this will affect all of New York. So rural areas, suburban areas, uh, urban areas, and our mayor is trying to make the case that this is the worst thing that can happen. And I keep saying he's a jackass. I keep saying, Mr. Mayor, the problem is thugs with illegal guns. Not law-abiding people exactly. with guns. <sighs> like today, I'm doing I'm doing like little errands, and I'm listening on the radio. I was looking for the Red Sox, and I couldn't find it. And I'm listening. I ended up listening to like George Stephanopoulos, like oh whatever God. show he has on Sunday. Well, what are you? On? They, I gotta they, put they, you. I gotta put you on suicide watch on that. Exactly. They, he's talking about what's going on in Buffalo. I was like, oh, I need to listen to this. And then I realized it was George Stephanopoulos. Hey, not only and that. Like, they're it, saying all this, like, crap Kat, about oh, Kat, white supremacy. we got to have, like, con- like gun control. Cat, you are. You're, day, you, you are. Put are it, on, it was like meet the press. They said the same exact thing. And I'm listening, and I'm like, these people don't understand that. You know what? Ex- you like, be, what? imagine being married to Cat. Couldn't get in a word edgewise. I have been in those situations. I know. I know. 
but she's a gun-toting Annie Oakley out there in Ipswich, Massachusetts, and available to guys out there who need protection. Anyway, let's go to Mike in Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mike. Hey, Chris, good morning. How are you? Good afternoon. Good evening. I'm sorry. I've had better days. I'm a free old township bus driver, Hmm. and our boss sat us all down last week, and they said, you cannot smoke marijuana, period. Ah, and, now, uh, now, I don't think the that police? I don't think it's clear to employees, both civilly and in the private sector yet in New Jersey, what they can and can't do. You know, if they're going to be tested, uh, the governor, the attorney general, they're not informing people, which is so unfair. Well, the police are, are going to be allowed to in the future here in New Jersey. Basically, wise. That's what I found out because my friend of mine, she's an aide. Her husband's a cop and he's going to be allowed to smoke. Yeah, as long as they're not smoking on duty, if they're off duty, they could be token up a block away from the precinct and say to Captain, hey, Captain, puff, puff, pass. Well, I quit when I was in high school because I gained so much weight and I got the hungry, you know. I got into a metal band and, you know, but I'm still driving the bus here. I'm in the union. And I like it. I like the people. There's down in Brooklyn ladies. And uh, it's a good job. Now I'm moving to Delaware in the summer. I bought a house down there and I like it. And uh, you were talking about Columbine. There's a guy named Gus Van Sant. He made a movie called Elephant about that particular topic on the two mm. assassins that were picked on. They were picked on horribly uh, in, in Colorado at the high school, Columbine. Yep. And they were pushed over the edge. So you know what they did, right? Well, what they did a mass retaliation and the parents act as if they had no idea what was going on, which is impossible to believe. Anyway, up next, it's the Animal Welfare Hour, the most listened to, called into, requested of the many hours that they do on the weekend where WABC stands for Always Broadcasting, Curtis. And first, my wife, whose nickname Nancy is Lone Wolf. We'll explain what's going to happen at 12 midnight when uh, Dominic joins us. Is it a full moon, a super moon, or a blood moon? Over the course of human history, there's been Noah's Ark, savior of mankind. St. Francis of Assisi, foregoing his wealth to be savior of all animals. And Curtis Sliwa, guardian angel and savior of New York City, protecting both man and beast. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. From bipeds to quadrupeds and everything in between. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. Well, once again... You've reached that point to the most listened to, requested, and phoned in segment of any of the 20 hours that I do on the weekends where WABC, the uh, acronym always seems to be always broadcasting Curtis. You don't want to miss the handoff to Dominic Carter. Oh, I got I got something for Dominic. That's why I beg all of you to listen to WABC morning, noon, and night and rat Rat out to me things that are being said that I should know about, and I appreciate all of you rats out there who ate the Parmesan cheese because I'm really going to give it to him as he acts as the buffer before Frank Morano comes on uh, with the other side of Midnight at 1. Right now we have once again uh, Nancy, who is the uh, animal expert, extraordinaire animal rescuer, 
And a lot of people don't know that uh, at approximately 12 midnight tonight, my wife uh, Nancy, whose nickname is Lone Wolf, will probably be in Central Park baying at the moon. Uh, Now, Nancy, will it be a full moon, a super moon, a blood moon? What kind of moon are we expecting? Okay, so it is a a full moon, and it's also a complete uh, lunar eclipse, which happens exactly around that time at midnight. So that means that uh, the Earth, the, the path that is crossing, it's going to cover up the uh, the light from the sun. So what you'll see is you'll see this transition of a full moon uh, slowly becoming uh, darker and darker until it's completely covered up for like maybe a minute or two. And then, you know, it goes away and then it becomes a full moon again. So it's a, actually a very unique time. I have seen you on many occasions when there have been different variations of the moon suddenly get up out of our uh, meager apartment, 328 square feet, with our 18 rescue cats, and walk into Central Park, and you start staring up at the moon, and you start baying like a wolf. Yeah, I I don't really do the baying part, but I do like to go to Central Park. Uh, I have to say, honestly, though, I'm a little bit concerned about going to the park at midnight by myself, so I'll have to uh, keep a close eye out. Now, what impact does this have on animals? Uh, uh, We know it has an impact on human beings, but I've noted that with our cats, it has a real impact on them, and I'm sure likewise with dogs and other animals. Yeah, so obviously the the impact with people is kind of clearly uh, drawn out a lot, like increasing crime, uh, car crashes, things like that. But when it comes to animals, it's not super scientific. So I think with uh, pet owners, it's obviously it's much easier to observe. So there's a clear connection between uh, within a few days of a full moon happening that cats and dogs are more likely to require medical help. So they'll have some sort of a medical issue that uh, precipitates them uh, having to visit the doctor. Uh, so, and now again, like one of the rationales for the cats is that because they're eternal, when they're accustomed to hunting at night or running around at night, now all of a sudden the moon is affecting their vision. So there could be a clear connection based on the vision itself with the cats. Now you yourself, have you undergone any transitions when there is a change of the lunar sphere? I mean, I, I mean, honestly, I can't, I can't really say. I know that I'm definitely drawn to the moon. So, I mean, especially when it's full, it's just there's something about it. So, I'm sure that carries over somehow. Uh, just to, but I definitely don't pay. So, don't give that impression that I'm out there calling <laughs> at the moon. Well, now, given the choice of being attracted to the moon or attracted to your husband, who wins out? Well, I mean, you always win out. So. Good answer. Now, (laughs) let's get on to the other animal welfare issues of the week. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Apparently, there's been drawn up a dog and cat bill of rights. What what is constituted on that, and at what level is that? So this is for uh, a proposal in California for adopters of shelter pets. To basically, I think it's more akin to an informational campaign. I mean, as opposed to having any real, um, you know, teeth of the law, so to speak. So it's more or less telling people 
uh, when they do adopt a pet from the shelter, here are a list of, and I think it's 10 basic requirements. So it's obviously food and veterinarian care, but also social interaction and, uh, you know, like, so basically it's just laying out what are requirements for the pet. But what I find kind of curious is, I mean, most of these things are fairly basic. I and mean, if you are planning to adopt a pet, you know, I'm assuming most people would be feeding them and giving them water. So what I find kind of interesting is that, you know, it raises the other question that when they're adopting out these people, I know because, you know, I've done it before, they have these, um, you know, applications and more or less they're just trying to make sure that you can keep the pet in your residence. But if you need to show them that bill of rights for food and water, I think that maybe that's the person you want to adopt out to. Hmm. But that's just in California at this point. Correct. It's just in California. And it was also the, the questions were being posed like, oh, can they affect any other types of animals, like animals being tested on or uh, animals in the food chain? It, no, it, it's not even extending to that. So, again, it's, uh, you know, again, I would say it's more akin to an informational campaign, just letting people know when they adopt because, I mean, maybe they are first-time uh, pet owners and they do need to be educated on, you know, some of this animal care or uh, maybe some resources available to them, like in case they need to do anything. So, uh, you know, that that is a little bit lacking in the adoption process. So, you know, in that sense, I think it's a, I mean, anything that moves it forward, moves the mission forward, I think makes sense. This is the Animal Welfare Hour featuring uh, Nancy Sliwa. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Whatever on your mind involving animal welfare issues, we have a full hour to discuss those. 1-800-848-9222. Now, speaking of shelters, I see that if you wanted to go and adopt, let's say in this case, dogs, of which there are many in the city uh, uh, shelter system, uh, that if not adopted will eventually be destroyed uh, and euthanized. That if you wanted to adopt a dog right now, let's say uh, in East Harlem, which is one of the city shelters, you wouldn't be able to do that? And why is that? Okay, this story really definitely gets under my skin because it's it's insane. So the Manhattan, uh, Manhattan Animal Care and Control, like you said, East Harlem, they've stopped taking dogs, uh, you know, like uh, household surrender strays, because amid what they call a pneumonia outbreak. Now... The what this outbreak consists of is two deaths of two dogs. Now, it doesn't state whether the dogs um, came into the facility and they had pneumonia or whether they actually um, contracted pneumonia during their time at the shelter, because this is, I think, really goes to the heart of the matter what this issue is about. The reports that have been done by, uh, you know, city taxpayer, the comptroller's office, that have looked into the animal care and control, there's um, virtually 100% infection rate for any of these animals that come into the shelter. So in other words, it's, it's that the environment itself is so horrific that every animal is likely going to be diagnosed with uh, URI. I mean, or, but I mean, it's all in the same sort of uh, family. And that's because of the facilities. So, and this has to do with the fact that each um, each borough is supposed to have a full-service animal shelter, but somehow they got away with 
that requirement years ago, and that's been consistently fought against because they only have three current um, full-service shelters, which means that if you live in a borough that does have that, so for instance, um, you know, if uh, in, in a, so in Queens, they don't have a full-service shelter. If you find a stray animal, they have a, a partial service center where they'll intake a stray animal that's found, but then what they do is they just stack them in these boxes awaiting a van to come and deliver them to different boroughs because that's how this works. So you can imagine if an animal gets brought into one of these facilities and they're sick and they maybe need medical treatment, they'll be sitting in one of these little transport accommodations on top of each other with no medical treatment because none of these uh, halfway um, animal care and control centers have even vets on, on staff. So they'll be waiting be getting sick all over each other and then they bring them into these other facilities which in theory even if they had healthy animals are all going to get infected by these animals that were sitting and waiting so this is what should really be brought to attention so what they're doing now is they're also saying they have 20 percent more dogs than last year so in other words they're trying to adopt them out and they can't their entire justification for being able to kill animals in the shelter is that the only facility in New York City required by law to intake every single animal that anyone wants to surrender. Now they've given that up because they're not allowing people to do that, which to me means they should also be not allowed to be euthanizing them until they get this together because they're doing the wrong thing here. Well, what's interesting, you and I, we have visited many of the shelters in the city, uh, in Baltimore and Fort Lauderdale. The one thing that is striking in all of these uh, shelter facilities for animals is the circulation is horrible. So that if you're a dog or a cat or another animal and you're being housed there, either you're being transported somewhere or you're hoping uh, that a rescue uh, group will come and take uh, the animal or somebody will come and adopt the animal or the animal will be forced it out, you're breathing in all of these, these toxins that are being emitted by some of the animals who are very sick and there's such poor circulation that everyone in that place, every animal or any four-legged creature is bound to end up getting sick. I mean, architecturally, they should be designing these facilities where the animals are um, sort of in these uh, holding spaces that have all windows because what they're doing is they're enclosing them in rooms where the doors are closed and they're relying on what type of uh, back system they have to clean the air. But the point is they're all encapsulated in one room and they're all from different locations and then they're all stressed out. So it's just a, a brewing place for these animals to get sick in spite of the fact that most of them even are sick when they come in. I mean, that's one of the reason, biggest reasons people uh, bring their animals to the shelter. They have health issues they can't afford to pay for they do not get prioritized. It is uh, so sad, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I can assure you both uh, Nancy and I will continue to uh, fight that battle uh, that uh, they have to create these shelters uh, so that they are not only uh, better for the animals who have to be housed there briefly before they get forced out or adopted out, uh, but more importantly that the circulation is improved tenfold because uh, you surrender your animal for whatever reason. Uh, you're not thinking they're going to get 
sick in the shelter. If anything, you're thinking, wow, they, they're better capable of taking care of the animal. They have vets. They have medicine. I don't have a nickel left to my name. I'm surrendering. My family member, in many instances, people view their dogs or cats or other animals as family members and only to find out that they got sick and they died or they got really terminally ill in the shelter that you sacrificed your animal to. You know, and, and also the format in which they showcase the animals, it, it almost has that feeling of like when I would go into uh, the courts for a client who was having an arraignment and you're going into like the belly of the beast of these buildings where these people are locked up. I mean, this is how it feels when you go visit animals in the shelter. I mean, they're behind the cages. You have to put in a request to see them. They have to bring you in a separate room. I mean, there are cat cafes out there, which the concept is, okay. Oh, walk in, they're petting, they're interacting. I mean, if you start tweaking the way you think about this, not only are you going to be able to adopt more animals out, but then you're also making it just a more hospitable environment for their time there. In fact, it's the cat cafes, especially before the lockdown and pandemic, when many of them had to close, who were adopting out more cats than the shelters themselves. Absolutely. Anyway, uh, our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. I'll have to sit down with the cat man, John Katsimatidis, and see now that it seems that restrictions are lifting. He might consider opening up a cat cafe, right? The cat cafe. <laughs> <laughs> he loves cats, as does Margo. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And now I see there is a survey nationally in which one-third of those people surveyed said that they would choose their pets over other members of their family. So if given the choice, you could only choose one person or one pet, one-third of the people said they'd rather not be with their family members, they'd rather be with their pets. Yeah, so yeah, yeah it was uh, posed as a question if you had to choose between uh, your your spouse or your pet. So one third of the pet owners actually chose their pet. So I'm not sure how much that says about pet ownership versus uh, level of satisfaction with spouses overall. But yeah, there's clearly a bit of something in there that maybe needs to be worked on. Um, but what was interesting too was that, you know, so this, it was like an extensive survey and they asked a lot of questions, but one of them had to do with uh, pet owners being more concerned about their pets, uh, their pets' demise than a loved one. And I was thinking that makes complete sense because, you know, when you have a pet, you're completely responsible for them. So it's like that tendency to think, oh, people can take care of themselves, but animals, they're vulnerable. And then once you have them as a pet, I mean, the responsibility is on you. So as, you know, the pets age, they take them to the, the vet more and then, you know, become aware of, uh, any signs of animal ailments, but what I thought was really cool is that the amount of people who make their homes uh, senior friendly to their older pets. So I was thinking about, since with tuna, the ways that we make the the place more senior friendly. And we have like four step pieces of furniture in the house, and this is all to make sure that tuna can get everywhere that she needs to go. And it's like we have uh, the litter boxes are catered to her. Like everything is catered to make sure she can get everywhere the other cats can go. But and this is one cat, so. Well, you know, uh, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen, Tuna is the cat that was in the campaign commercial when I was running for mayor. 
uh, tuna garnered attention all over the world. Everybody wanted to know who is that that lovely cat, and they didn't realize it's not a kitten. It's the senior citizen cat of the 18 rescue cats that we have. It's the oldest cat. Yeah, no, she's, uh, I mean, she's just the smallest, too, in terms of uh, weight and, and sort of overall size. Yeah, and she moves around like a senior citizen also. <laughs> she yeah, needs she, does, she needs uh, the home alert around her neck. I'm falling and I can't get up because she falls oh, no, from time be, to time. That would be too much weight for her. She'd fall over because of that. She must fall over at least 12 times a day. Um. Yeah, but, you know, it's a soft fall. It's a soft fall. No, well, you made it that way. You knew uh, that she was having difficulty, so you uh, made sure that the hardwood was suddenly uh, uh, filled with rubberized uh, uh, materials <laughs> so that when she falls, she wouldn't injure herself. But, no, it's like you you could have pet alert. I'm falling and I can't get up. <laughs> Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Now, earlier this week... You and I were listening to Frank Morano on the other side at midnight. And this guy opened up his show at one in the morning and he went ballistic on that 80 year old actor who was at Starbucks somewhere in Midtown who had crazy glued himself to the counter. Remember that situation, Nancy? Yes, yes. So he, he, they had like what was called a glue in. And the purpose of this was to protest or or bring attention to the fact that Starbucks is charging extra. People want to have any sort of milk substitute uh, vegan option. So there's like what's like a vegan upcharge. So if you want to have oat milk instead of regular milk, you know, there's a surcharge attached to it. So he's saying, well, why should you punish people for being uh, socially conscious and health conscious. And so I mean, that was the purpose of this glue in. I know, but Frank was like losing it. Uh, he recognized this was a great actor, a great thespian. He was in his 80s. Obviously, uh, uh, he brought a lot of attention to the issue. But just explain that. What's What's so bad about having a drop of normal cow's milk compared to these substitutes? Well, again, it, it's the the purpose of uh, shifting gears in some of these industries. So there are uh, existing industries that absolutely, I mean, again, it's it, it's more of a philosophical argument, I think, but you have existing companies that already are benefiting from a lot of uh, pre-existing contracts they have and companies that are so ingrained in uh, the U.S. economy that when they suffer something like a loss of sales, which is really being accounted for by the fact that there's consu- uh, consumer shifts in preference. They're able to to make a claim to the government or to insurance, oh, our business is going down, like as opposed to recognizing, no, it's going down because, you know, preferences are shifting. So I think, you know, I mean, like Frank's argument when he was losing his mind was, you know, like, oh, you're messing with, uh, the flow of economy. I mean, this is like kind of like a David versus Goliath type thing. I mean, you're fighting for the right cause. I don't think civil disobedience is ever a bad thing. I don't think that Starbucks lost the ultimate revenue because of this like little glue in. But I think they're just trying to make a point that you really should move 
a lot of these. Uh, well, well, his beef, his beef was the guy should have been arrested. You know, the cops wouldn't arrest him. Starbucks wouldn't press charges. It's sort of like well, the, the guy's I mean, like New York City. The guy's in. He's, he's in his eighties. He said they don't arrest yeah. murderers in New York. They don't arrest rapists. He wants this old codger arrested. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I'm not. I don't believe with arresting people for civil disobedience. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm not on board with that. Well, the most interesting facet of that story is after he ranted and raved uh, on the other side of midnight about how horrible this was, he goes, and by the way, I drink my coffee black. I don't use vegan milk. I don't use normal milk, 1% milk, 2% milk. Uh, I don't use Samoan milk. I don't use uh, almond milk. He drinks his well, coffee black anyway. Well, I mean, so. But, I mean, he can still have his opinion on what it is. I mean, you know, you can still stand by the cause even though you're not necessarily directly involved with it. You know, it's a hell of a lot better than people who used to go around and glue your locks when they wanted to do damage to you. You know, they put the Elmer glue or the crazy glue in your locks and just they were like a menace to society. Anyway, our numbers. Wait, locks of what? No, no, not locks, you know, that you put on the schmear with the bagel. What type of locks? Oh, it could be a lock to your house. It could be the lock to the car. If they really wanted to mess with you, they would inject the uh, glue. uh, And you know how crazy glue is. It has that little canister. They would put it in there and they would squeeze it in. And it would make your life miserable as you tried to chip your way into your house by opening your lock. Oh, that's funny. Hopefully I didn't give uh, any of the nefarious people out there any evil ideas. There's enough evil going on in the city and the surrounding areas as we speak. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. This is the Animal Welfare Hour, exclusive to WABC, featuring my wife Nancy, the Animal Rescuer Par Excellence. Our number is 1-800-848-WABC, whatever question is on your mind. Now, I understand that uh, a certain city in the United States has limited the time that a dog can bark. First off, how do they do that? Yeah, this is this sounds all completely fraught with uh, many problems. So this is a Chicago suburb, and they've approved uh, an excessive barking law, which means that uh, if a dog is barking for more than 15 minutes, it's a $100 fine. Now... First of all, so the hours are between 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. And the way that you would prove this excessive barking is that neighbors would need to record, right? So have like a 15 plus minute recording or you need to have multiple witnesses. So first of all, it sounds completely insane and something that would have way too much uh, bureaucracy involved to ever be worth anything. But what I found also curious was that it's only from seven to ten. So in theory, if this was to help animals, oh, you like you don't want dogs barking, not because they're annoying to people, but maybe because that's indicative of the fact that they're being left outside without food or water or in the cold or the sun. After ten o'clock, that's fine. Like they can, I would think it's more disconcerting if they're barking at one or two in the morning because that would <laughs> there'd be more of a problem. So. That, number one, I thought was crazy. But what's another part of this law that is really sneaking in, and I think this is a problem, where the city is limiting households to four pets. So whatever households you live in, you can only have four pets and only two of one type of pet unless you get approval from animal control. So 
this to me sounds very odd. I mean, you're living in the suburbs. You, I mean, depending upon the size of the house you have, you should be able to have, you know, as many as you could potentially care for, but they're trying to limit four pets. I mean, this to me is a more uh, egregious part of this law that's come about. Wow. If we lived there, we'd be in double trouble. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, and again, and, and you have the approval from the animal control agency, which to me sounds like potentially a conflict of interest. Uh, you know, they, they, they have a vested interest in having animals uh, come to the shelter because otherwise they would not need to exist. So I think you have to look at that conflict right there as well. And then the final uh, question before we go to the callers. Our number is 1-800-848-9222 on this, the animal welfare segment on WABC. I see that they, there are neighbors in northern Brooklyn who are battling with an app it compares what children do to what pets do. Is that true? Yeah, so it's one of these neighborhood apps where our local residents log on and, you know, just report things going on in their community. And it started out with a post about dogs being in a uh, children's playground area at a time when, uh, you know, early or late, you know, kids aren't there. And, you know, then it, then it was posing the question, well, shouldn't dogs be restricted to just the dog runs as opposed to there's a lot of people who have their dogs apparently in this park uh, running on the main lawn types area and the people saying, oh, well, the dogs have a dog. So then the neighbors who have dogs, they were chiming in and saying, well, what about the people who have the children? They have the children's playground in fenced areas, so they should be confined to that area alone and not be on the the main areas as well. So it just started a little neighborhood spark about <laughs> what is the uh, preference or priority given in a lot of these public spaces to children versus dogs. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. The first person lined up in the queue is John in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare segment at WABC, Johnny. Uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you guys again. I just want to say a few weeks ago, you, you guys me uh, i told you my mastiff puppy wouldn't eat all his food and you told me he might just get uh bored of uh what he he's playing food so i started mixing his food uh with yogurt with meat and stuff and he's eating all his food again so thank you for that and, oh uh, very good yeah, i was just gonna ask you um i spent about an hour de-shutting him today on the deck and, uh, it was just the hair kept coming never stopped. I was wondering if there's something I could do for that, is that normal? And uh, I had another question too, if you guys don't mind. So, John, uh, the dog was shedding. Uh, Nancy, uh, you've had that situation uh, recently with Tuna and with Wolverine, uh, our two cats, uh, where they're shedding every time uh, you uh, brush them. What can, yeah, so, what can be yeah. done to prevent that from happening? Well, I I'm not sure how much you can prevent the uh, shedding itself. I mean, this is why the brushing is so important. But in terms of the uh, frequency or the increase in the need for brushing, I've noticed in the past few weeks as the weather is getting warmer, when I'm brushing some of the cats, it's just it seems like it's just going on and on and on. But this is normal, I know, for cats for sure, because they, they grow like that um, heavier winter coat, and then they shed the winter coat 
uh, you know, as the, the seasons get warmer. So this is part of like, in addition to the normal types of shedding that they do, the normal brushing, you're definitely going to see an increase in brushing any of your pets because they're sort of shedding that winter coating. And I noticed they line up in a queue and they want to get brushed. Oh, yeah. And start brushing one and then the next one staring at you with a look on their face like you're doing something wrong by them. I mean, I only have two hands, so <laughs> there's only so much I can do. They're more than patiently waiting to get brushed. They'll wait their turn. Our number is 1-800-848-WABC as we continue with the Animal Welfare Hour. And you don't want to miss it when Dominic Carter joins me right before the top of the hour. I got him. And I got him with the help of all of you listeners who ratted him out, who ate the Parmesan cheese. WABC. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. Uh, that uh, promo by Chris Libertini was an act of sabotage there, Nancy. Done in unison with the staff, the huge staff for the Frank Morano, the other side of Midnight Show. But anyway, let's get back on track. This is the Animal Welfare Hour. We're taking your calls. Let's go to Janice, who's calling from Wayne, New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Janice. Oh, good evening, Curtis and Nancy. It's such a pleasure to be able to talk to the both of you. And I really love this radio station. It really is the joy of my life to listen to all the fantastic callers that call in. And also your broadcasters who you have on your show, uh, all the way down from Rudy in the afternoon uh, up to Frank Morano and Dominic Carter. It's just fantastic. And um, the... Your animal hour is just a great segment to have for everyone to call in about their pets and whatnot. But um, I usually don't share about my pets that often, but 16 years ago, and it's really a pleasure to talk about them after all of this time, Um years ago, um, I was taking my daughter to school, and when I came home, I was coming up my staircase in the front of where I live, and I saw this, like, black scarf in front of the stairs, which I thought it was. As I got closer, I said to myself, gee, there were four black kittens that just appeared on my doorstep, and I lived near the woods not too far away. And I, when I had moved here, I saw some containers that were in the woods, and I think the cats were, the kittens at the time, were born in the woods. And they just straddled away over to my doorstep, and I, as I got closer, I thought it was a scarf, but it was the four black kittens. And then I, nobody wanted them. So I said, I'm going to keep them. And they were the most blessing thing that ever happened to me to to keep them. And there were three three boys and one little girl, and they were too long-haired, like almost like Maine Coon or Norwegian Forest, and then too short-haired. So six, 
about six years ago, I lost the long-haired one named Icky. And then just this past October, I lost Cosmo. Uh, October 8th it was. He was my short-haired one, and he was like my my great little boy. He was my greeter when I walked in the house every day. <laughs> he waited on the chair for me. So now I have two baby and sweetie, but I have sweetie on, um, um, what is that, um, seizure medicine, but I've had him on that for the past like seven years, uh, phenobarbital and the Keppra. Um Wow, that's, that's, that's heavy, yeah. that's heavy medicine. Yeah, heavy, yeah, right? Yeah, a, ph- a phenobarbital and, uh, the the Kepra, which is the levotracetum, is the generic. So knock wood, he's been stable all of this time, and right now I have him on uh, fluids because he had a little bit of a kidney values were low. Yeah, well that so uh, that that generally is going to happen, Janice, as they get older. But Nancy, when you find kittens outdoors, as Janice did many many years ago. Uh, how do you know they can acclimate to living indoors if maybe they were born to feral cats outdoors? Uh, I mean, obviously, right. A lot of a lot of uh, things to consider, but certainly the first thing would be uh, you have the cats now. They actually walked over to the doorway. So at this point, uh, if you have a mother cat who's taking care of them, or they were too young to be out on their own. Uh, the mother cat would have just uh, brought them back to the location they were at. Chances are, I mean, this was part of, you know, maybe some level of socialization that was already going on or they were seeing people so they weren't that scared. Uh, When they're small, the one thing is when they have each other, that's always a positive thing as well. They have comfort because they have each other, you know, as opposed to just having one individually and but so again, uh, and if they're young enough, and I mean, there's always these different rules of thumb. Oh, if they're older than three months, they're considered feral, and it'd be tough to ever interact with them. But I mean, I don't think that's necessarily true. And every cat is different. But then also, it depends what you consider interaction, because I don't think most people feel the need to like pick up their cats and walk around with them. So that's not really a cat personality. That's not a cat trait. So as long as they're friendly with you, they come around you. I mean, I, again, I mean, even the friendliest of cats that we've had, I mean, they're not like that. So, yeah, I, I think that when you catch them young enough and they're willing to go up to people and actually find their way, they probably were already looking at you to to come indoors. So, I mean, they probably that was already like a little bit indicating their personalities right there. Let's go to uh, William in Central Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, William. Hey, Curtis, what's going on? Um, quick question. You know, I was, I've was i been hearing these stories about uh, these drug dealers that have, like, the voice boxes removed out of these uh, pit bulls, other large, vicious dogs, and when a person breaks into their house, like, the dog attacks them. And I just want to know, like, who would be responsible, and B would be the question of, like, if you got caught doing that, like like a vet or something, like couldn't you hold them accountable on some criminal charge? Well, William, uh, they actually do it to their own dogs. Uh, for instance, if they're raising fighting dogs, uh, and let's say they are training them on the rooftops of a tenement or a public housing project, 
they will cut their voice boxes. They don't need a vet to do it. They've learned how to do it so that the dog will not make any noise. And just imagine if the dog is being tortured or brutalized, it will not make any noise because they take the Michael Vick position that you don't want to have uh, any damage to the gene pool. So if it's not the best fighting dog, they want to torture it and kill it. And you're right. A lot of drug dealers who will cut the voice boxes of their pit bulls or their bull mastiffs because they'll lay up in their house where they have all their money or their drugs. And then if somebody tries to break in and do a home invasion, they're going to have a surprise of all surprises because they're not even going to hear that the dogs are in the house and they'll get ripped up uh, limb from limb. It's barbaric. It's absolutely barbaric to do that to any of these animals and unfortunately, there's little, if any, enforcement. I know, uh, Nancy, uh, you and I and the Guardian Angels, we went up to the uh, Sotomayor projects near the Monroe housing projects where Bernard McGurk grew up in the South Bronx, where they were doing this to pit bull terriers, torturing them, training them to be fighting dogs. Uh, and they were slitting their uh, voice boxes so that they could and, not be heard. And the problem is, too, that it's not a universal law that you do that. I mean, there are actually veterinarians who will do that on request of an owner. Like, that that even speaks of a much larger problem. You can't possibly permit these things to go on. But again, this is a, a similar thing that happens with decloring cats, too. I mean, all of these barbaric things, obviously, that's completely barbaric. Um, but like you said, it, you know, and they have like a lot of dog fighting. The dog fighting, if uh, people start, I mean, they have gambling based on the dog fighting. So they're making too much noise. It would mess up their, their whole spot. So, I mean, it makes sense for them in their heads to do this, to keep their operations going. But again, anyone who's doing that, I mean, this should already be outlawed. And there there should be ramifications for people doing it. Uh, but again, I mean, this is part of the struggle that continues with trying to fight for animals' rights. Yeah, and then also the cops uh, who sometimes get a 911 call. They got to go into an area. They had dogs who have had their voice boxes cut. Uh, they're prey to jumping at the cops or the con ed inspector or the uh, gas inspector or people who are doing deliveries. It's really, it's outrageous in terms of how often it's done. And nothing, if anything, is being done about it. Let's go to Ed, who's calling from Babylon. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition of WABC, Ed. Uh, Curtis, thank you. Um, you know, we don't care enough about animals, do we? And, you know, I didn't say, how are you tonight? Because my mother used to say, <laughs> it was an old saying. It was like, people ask me, how you doing? And I say, you want the long list or the short list? And it shuts them right down, Curtis. <laughs> really does. <laughs> shuts them right down. You, you use it, you'll see. Definitely. But, uh, I like that. Hey, you, you want me to go through the short list of what's wrong or, or right or the large list? Because you go, I've had better days. But if you said you want the long list or the short list, these people have something to say to you, and they go, oh, I'll never get a word in. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Excellent. Thank you. I, I prayed for you to be mayor. I really did. And uh, what I want to ask you is, like, you can say, and you can get off the topic and say, what would you do as mayor? But I got a girl in Virginia, my friend, um, Regina, who's a pit bull rescuer, I don't let you know about pit bulls, but I told her maybe you could do something to help her 
because she's in a town, Hamden, Virginia, that they're all against her. You know, that, that dog's underweight. She rescues them. She takes pictures, and then the dog patrol comes over, and they lie. And, you know, it, it's just like de Blasio and Biden all over again. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting, Ed, uh, that you would think that government would be helping rescuers, whether they were part of a group or they were individuals. But so often uh, I've experienced, Nancy, and I think maybe you more so because you've been doing this so much longer than I have, that they become the number one impediment to rescuers because they don't cooperate with them. Yeah, and when you're, if you're proactively doing these things and you're coming up against uh, these consistent challenges, I mean, obviously every situation is different. But the sad reality is there's a lot of places that don't prioritize animal welfare. And if you are in a situation like you're in a place like that, it may be more difficult. Now, the obvious things are trying to align yourselves with others who are doing the same thing because there's always more strength in numbers with the animal issues, trying to figure out some of the particular things you can tackle because, I mean, as much as they might oppose it, I don't think any of these individuals who are working against it are also willing to to die on the sword by the animal issue either. So if you put enough pressure on them, that's usually how a lot of these uh, changes come about. So, you know, aligning yourself with other people doing it and then really pinpointing the exact, you know, precise thing you're trying to change and, and going at it with the people involved in, in the laws related to it. Now, uh, if people were interested in getting in touch with you uh, to get advice uh, or help on animal welfare issues, how might they contact you? Uh, they can email me, uh, nancy at guardianangels.org. That's nancy at guardianangels.org. And if you want to see the work that Nancy does, uh, just go to guardianangels.org. You can hit the tab, the Guardian Angels uh, Animal Protection Division, and see all the work. Uh, that Nancy and Guardian Angels are doing to help dogs and cats and uh, those who are trying to rescue and foster and adopt uh, something that has to be done 24-7-365. So thanks, uh, Nancy, especially for clearing up the uh, full moon, the super moon, the blood moon. (laughs) You're now free to go into Central Park and bay at the moon since your uh, nickname is Lone Wolf. Well, I'll, I I definitely will make sure that I'm I'm going there tonight. All right, do appreciate it. Up next, I've been waiting for this all week. Dominic Carter, and I want to thank all of you callers who write an amount. He thinks he's just going to do a high and buy routine in order to do his twelve to one o'clock hour. He's got he's got another thing coming. You don't want to miss this. You really don't want to miss this. WABC. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Friends. How many of us have them? Friends. Ones we can depend on. Well, in the house, Dominic Carter. You're right, friend, right, uh, Dominic? You said, am I a friend? Yeah. Of course I am. Okay. Because I've been advising all of our listeners, growing in leaps and bounds by the day, if you've seen the ratings of late, skyrocketing uh, for you, Frank Morano, and to a degree me, we share a lot of the same audience. 
And I've been telling them, you got to listen to Dominic Monday through Fridays, 12 to 1. All the other times that he's on the radio and Frank Morano from Monday through Friday from 1 to 5 in the morning. Because you got to rat them out when they say things that I need to know that they won't say to me. So, for instance, earlier in the week, apparently, you had a conversation that went like this with one of your listeners. I would say 100% that Dominic Carter should run for mayor. Mm. 110%. I know you say I hear you. and <laughs> I didn't you know, say I, that. I didn't say that. Uh-huh. I hear you. But I... I you would be the best man for the job. Taking nothing away from Curtis, you would be perfect. Mm. You check all the boxes. <laughs> you check every single box. Notice you uh, seem to be in agreement with him. And then <laughs> then it got, it got worse. You got into a deeper, Dominic. Um, I'm not going to um, talk any further as it relates to what, what's in the future uh, politically, because who knows? You, you never know. They say never say never. That's what every politician says. <laughs> You're a journalist. <laughs> well, you never, you never know. You never say never. And then you went on to like give a political speech in which I detected in what you were saying that you were following the Eric Adams route. I'm seriously considering moving to Saddle River. Because in New Jersey, because it will more than cut my taxes in half. And that's the bottom line, period. Is that the bottom line? Or like Eric Adams, he lived in Fort Lee, and yet he ran for mayor <laughs> in New York City. And you're figuring it's harder to do that in Pomona and Rockland County, but it would be easier for you to do that where Richard Nixon resided in the end of his life. In Saddle River, New Jersey, huh? That's right. I, I forgot all about that. Yeah, you forgot about that. <laughs> but our listeners did, and I want to thank all of our listeners who brought this to my attention, who ratted out Dominic Carter, who ate the Parmesan cheese. See that? They're always listening, Dominic. <laughs> I see. Now. Hey, hey, yes. But you know what? You know what? Yes. Maybe one day hmm. I'll follow in Curtis Lewis' shoes. Oh. And maybe run for office. Seriously. Yeah, because, you, I, because I think I do check all the boxes. Yeah, the only question is, yes. can I raise the necessary money? Well, that's always a question for those seeking <laughs> political office. But I noticed you didn't say that to the caller. <laughs> uh, but anyway, let's change gears. We're going to go into your sweet spot here. Uh, 18-year-old crazy young man decides he's going to go to war against African-Americans and kill and maim as many as he could. He was methodical. He had premeditated this. He puts up a manifesto of 180 pages. He even had it down to the fact of where he was going to have lunch before he drove into the parking lot of that supermarket and started blazing away. You're a great gumshoe reporter. I see a lot on the periphery who are just repeating the same old, same old information. Uh, what uh, what inclinations do you have about this case? One, why was this young man not seriously on the radar, uh, considering that uh, he was hospitalized for a day and a half, 
uh, when he went to high school and, and, and the state police picked him up at high school and took him to a psychiatric facility in which he said that his graduation plan would be to murder someone. And I, I got the exact quote somewhere. I, I don't want to say the quote without actually fully uh, having it. And so th- this is as much a story about, and I'm glad you said it, because you're always on point. This is as much a story about mental health and mental illness as it is racism and all the other charges. Yet yet we've noticed that within 24 hours, uh, Governor Hochul, Chuck Schumer, uh, Gillibrand, by the way, both of those, Hochul and Gillibrand, used to get A-plus ratings from the NRA when they were in Congress. Then all of a sudden, because they were running statewide and they realized you can't win a statewide race uh, being pro-gun, they became uh, gun control folks. But they have said this is an indication of why white supremacy is the biggest threat that we have to America. Not Red China, not Vladimir Putin, not nuclear weapons, but white supremacy. White supremacy is not the biggest threat to America. Isn't It's an issue, but I, I don't even see it as a top issue. To be honest with you, considering my personal background in terms of my mother with mental illness, I would say that's much more of a big problem than than white supremacy. And for those of us uh, in New York, now I, I know it's a very sensitive situation up in Buffalo. You know the area better than anyone. You know all of these areas having patrolled yes. with the Guardian Angels. But, it, it, you know... White supremacy, maybe in the South, but I don't even see it as a top issue there, but not not here in New York, not as a top issue. And yet he wrote 180 pages meticulously over months. He followed in the footsteps of other white supremacists. He idolized them. He said, basically, I want to be, you know, like I want to just be just like Mike, Michael Jordan. I want to be just like Root in South Carolina, the crazy guy in New Zealand, uh, white supremacist uh, who did exactly what I intend to do, which is shoot, kill, maim, film it, get it out there and become infamous, not famous, infamous. Right. Well, I hope he'll feel that way uh, 15, 20, 30 years into a sentence because his life, clearly he was a troubled, troubled young man. One day he went to school during the uh, pandemic with a hazmat, a full hazmat suit on. These are triggers. These are alarms that something should have been done with this young man. And so now we're going to play the, the regular game of who knew what and when and where and how come there wasn't any action. But at the end of the day, all of these people are dead, and some of them elderly, many of them uh, are doing very positive things in the community. It's just very, very sad. And interesting in that in his manifesto, he knew that there would be a security officer who would try to stop him from getting inside of the supermarket. That's how well prepared he was. Body armor, military helmet on, camcorder. He starts shooting people in the parking lot. He even knew which parking spot he would put uh, pull into. And as he had planned, there the was entire, a security officer thing. armed who shot at him first. Yes. Unfortunately, didn't hit him in the head, but hit him in the body armor. He turned on the uh, security officer, the former uh, police uh, officer, the Buffalo police officer, and wasted him there. 
walked in and then just started methodically going up and down the aisles hunting for blacks. In his manifesto, he said, I'll shoot them once. If they spot, I'll turn them over and shoot them in the chest to guarantee they died. And now we see he comes from a family, civil engineers, they all work for the state of New York, well-educated, no sign that there was major dysfunction, although you never know in the house. I, I, I don't buy that. I don't buy that. Uh, uh, with my mom dealing with mental illness, the family members, someone had to know, mom and dad, that their son was very troubled. Now, maybe they didn't know to what to what extent, to what degree, but when when your son is picked up at high school by the state police and taken to a psychiatric institution, uh, you know something's wrong. And so I, I, I don't buy that, that the parents didn't know anything. I'm assuming uh, that you'll be going into this subject uh, and other subjects uh, yes. as you are the buffer between me and Frank Morano. Oh, here we barrier. go. Here we go. Here we go. But but that's why you're here now. <laughs> we, we all know that. I've accepted that. He's the golden child. He's the untouchable. He can do nothing wrong. Whatever Frank wants, Frank gets. Oh. And he ordered. He said, I want Dominic working on Sunday night so that I don't have to go in that studio and deal personally with Curtis Lewa. Mm. Yeah. yeah. See? Mm. All of a sudden, I notice it's hush, hush, mush, mush <laughs> for Dominic Carter. Anyway, nobody knows this subject about mental health issues better than Dominic Carter. If I was lucky enough to become mayor, he would have been in charge of mental health in the city of New York, which is crucial. So pay attention to what Dominic has to say. He speaks from personal experience, not just as a gumshoe reporter.